Welcome back to uh, Culture Bucket, the world's greatest, the universe's greatest podcast. You're listening to episode 71. Welcome to the podcast, pal, where we are going to be discussing our favourite Bruce Willis performances. And as always, I am your host, George. And as always, I cannot do it on my own. So with me is my co-host, Alex. Hello, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. Hi. How how are you today, Alex? I am fantastic. Great. Never better. (laughs) That's good to hear. <laughs> and uh not as always as is uh as only happened once before um this topic is so enormous that we cannot do it on our own so we are joined by extra special guests from the film versus film podcast uh martin and boaz hi guys hi hey, you're right Fantastic. help alleviate the burden for you <laughs> it is a it's a heavy filmography to lift on our shoulders alone so we do need uh I mean, yeah you need need, some need us or or john mcclain yeah you need an extra bold we'll man to cope with bruce willis chat, so exactly <laughs> so um so yeah i recently joined uh you guys on your podcast to discuss nicholas cage Hi. movies which was um exciting and wonderful uh, to talk a little bit about that uh iconic 90s action hero and <laughs> so we thought we'd yeah. uh Cover another one on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad um, you liked it, you know. It was with bated breath until you said exciting. I was like, it's going to say terrible. That's going to break my heart. Uh, <laughs> it, was abs- it was an absolute slog, but never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that misery porn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Leaving Las Vegas. Cheers, Boaz. Well done. No, good film, that one. Um, yeah. Don't know no, if Bruce yeah, Willis ever did a movie quite as uh, upsetting as, as Leaving Las Vegas. Can't think mm. of one off the top of my head, but um, he has. Well, part, apart from the last five years, I guess. Yeah, well, he has made about. Yeah. <laughs> he has made Unintentionally about horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> um. So what? I mean, before we move on, uh, just for our listeners' sakes, what is the film versus film podcast? Uh, well, the film versus film podcast is a podcast where either me, uh. Me and Boaz either team up and we play against some guests, or sometimes it's just me versus Boaz where we uh, pick a we subject. Batter each from other with a, films. Yeah. <laughs> we take some celluloid, light it, and lob it at each other um, <laughs> yeah. to see who wins. <laughs> yeah. No, we. It's to the death. We. Uh, we. Um, you sound so fucking weird. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, we take. Uh, I usually do. Don't I? <laughs> Sorry, man. Um, carry on. Carry on. Yeah. Uh, we have a look at the cinema releases, and we base our subject on a cinema release. So, um, for example, when you came on, uh, it was uh, the massive talent movie from Nicholas Cage. So we did Nicholas Cage films, and we pick, and we, you know, each team will pick their film and we discuss it in terms of directing screenplay and acting uh we give it a score out of 10 and 
usually with decimals because they're cool. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, add them all up and see who wins. And it's just a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you get some surprises sometimes of who wins. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it yes. definitely is. Cool. Nice. Um, if someone listening to us now wanted to go and check out your podcast, uh, could you each tell one episode that you think is the quintessential film versus film episode, if you see what oh, I mean? Gosh. <laughs> so I just, so I just put you on <laughs> <Yeah>. the spot. <laughs> um, I think I always come back to the Tom Hardy one. Where we did was it Legend versus Bronson? That was just oh hilarious. yeah, that was that a was good one. Yeah. Just me and Boaz. That was that was a lot of fun. Okay, um, yeah. a lot of swearing, but if you don't mind <laughs> swearing, then it's you know a lot of East London accents and impressions. Yeah, but, a lot of four um, four letter words <laughs> and bad East London accents. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. yeah, is Legend the one where he plays the Cray twins? Is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't I haven't seen that film. What one? Or should we keep it a surprise for the listeners? They want to go and go and check it out. I, yeah, <laughs> keep it a surprise. Yeah, yeah I've even Maybe. forgotten. <laughs> I, I forget like the <laughs> conclusion of all of them. Yeah. Uh, any episode that sticks <laughs> in your mind, Boaz? Um, so mainly because of how. Uh, so I think there are two, and they're not as funny, but to me they were just very deeply interesting. So one was our uh, war. Um, episode one based on war films oh God. um yeah. and i picked uh the belarusian film uh come and see and he picked what did you pick all quiet on the western front no that was no it. paths of glory that was it paths of glory yeah i couldn't remember oh, the name but that was an amazing film and it was a it was a pretty good discussion of like warfare and stuff and i'm really into like mm-hmm. war history so i just found that and they were great movies um, yeah. And then another one, which is also not that funny, but I really liked, uh, mainly because I really love Daniel Day-Lewis, when we did um, <laughs> There Will Be Blood and uh, Phantom Thread. And uh, man, that was great. And that was really long. We we talked for a while, mm. for quite a while. Yes, you did, Boaz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, my throat was raw. Um, yeah, that was a that was a mistake on my end. Sorry, apologise <laughs> for that. <laughs> I, I haven't seen Phantom Fred, but my dad did drive through the set of it oh. while they were filming it, so I've got a. a oh really? That's like <laughs> whoa! They so asked him not to. <laughs> what they asked him not to, and then he just did it. We were staying in this little village in Yorkshire, uh, where they were they were filming it at the top of this hill, and they closed off the road while they were doing scenes, and then opened the road up again between shots. And um, they tried to make my dad and our car was filled with all of our holiday gear because we were leaving and they tried to make him stop at the at the top of this hill. And he just, um, he's a very sort of, you know, he doesn't take much shirt nonsense. He just went, I'm not doing a hill start here, mate. And he just drove straight through the set. <laughs> filming it. Um, never mind. Uh, just run no. over the camera crew. <laughs> Carry on going. I think I think they were filming a scene inside a hotel, so it's just maybe a, so in the background. If you look closely, you might see a um, a Ford drive-through. <laughs> All right, that'd be cool. Yeah, should, have, should have done like peace signs out of the window or something. <laughs> just make himself very conspicuous. <laughs> I hope he didn't get distracted by any sexual breakfast orders. Uh, no, oh yeah, yeah, that was so. that was a cool scene. Yeah, yeah. If um, you want to learn how to pick up women, watch that scene. Really good. <laughs> you want to pick up wait- waitresses, especially waitresses. Yeah, watch Great. that scene. I didn't know that was what Phantom Fred was about, but now I'm definitely <laughs> going to watch it. Um, good and come and see. I really want to watch Come and See because it's recently oh. gone right up to the top of the like list of best films on Letterboxd. Really? Think, yeah, 
But uh, wow. it's quite tough to find in the UK at the moment, it seems. so, And really tough to watch as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I, yeah. have, I do not want to watch that film again. No, that's what <laughs> yeah. I've been reading about it. I, 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 the first time I ever heard about it, it was a guy that reviewed it, and he said, um, Come and See is is like a horror movie for, for war movies. He says it's less like a, a like a history film and more like a horror film. And you watch it and you're like, you completely understand. You're like... Um, it is. It is pretty. It is pretty crazy. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it described as the ultimate anti-war movie. So mm. interesting. Yeah, nice. Okay, thank you for that. Let's move on. Let's start culture catch up. This is culture catch up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Uh, last week I went first. So Alex, what have you been doing in the past week? What I've been doing, I'm just going to talk about a couple of films uh, that I watched this week. Nice. Um, I'm a massive uh, anime fan, oh, Martin sweet. and Boas. I love anime. And I watched the new Mamoru Osoda anime, Bell. Have you heard of it? Oh. Bell. No. Bell. No. I have not. No? no? So Mamoru Osoda, if you uh, don't know, has made uh, films like Summer Wars, The Boy and the Beast, uh, the Digimon movie. Okay, I've heard of that one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally got to one that I know of. <laughs> That's the All one right, people like. I, I I know the Digimon movie. <laughs> and uh, like. Digimon, digital monsters. <laughs> Jesus, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Carry on singing. It, it makes it. It calms me down a little bit. Uh, and then uh, Mirai, uh, Wolf Children. And uh, this film came out uh, last year in 2021. And it's called Belle. And uh, do you know another a cartoon that's got a character named Belle? I do. Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Beauty and the Beast. So, yeah. So, um, <laughs> he's kind of, he's not an adaptation, but he kind of, uh, like maybe inspired by uh, Beauty and the Beast. There are a lot of like okay. scenes that are kind of, um, but actually there's only one scene that's like Beauty and the Beast, but apparently it's inspired um, in a castle. Uh, but it's about this uh, this girl called, uh, now is when my memory goes bleh. She's, she's not called Belle. <laughs> is she called Belle? You know? No, she's not called <laughs> yeah, That's Belle. what I was thinking. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> not, she's not called Belle. Well, she, well, she's called Suzu. And she's a really shy uh, girl who lives in the countryside in Japan. And um, uh, her mum uh, unexpectedly dies. And she, to find some kind of, um, you know, to escape reality, she goes into this um, app called You, which kind of reminds me a lot of TikTok. And you can make an avatar, and her avatar is called Belle. Uh, Suzu really likes singing, but because after her mother's death, stops singing. Uh, but in this app called You, she starts singing again as Belle. And she kind of creates a new reality for herself. Um, other stuff happens. There's a dragon. There's uh, there's lots of stuff happening. That doesn't matter because it's just beautiful to watch. <laughs> like nice. the story, the story is, it's okay. You know, it's not like the most, um, it's quite dark in some points. And it's, um, but it's just beautiful. Like the graphics are incredible and uh, it's just amazing to watch and the music in it is really, really good. So I would definitely um, recommend watching it because it's, it's amazing. It's a really beautiful film. And then I finally managed to watch John Wick 2. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, Chapter nice. 2. Uh, oh, my God. Oh I my think we, God. Did a, we did that, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have done that. Like R-rated yeah. action films. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. 
Well, I had to watch, we did a Can You Reeves episode a few months ago and that uh, George told me to watch um, John Wick Chapter 1, which I absolutely loved. Mm. But Mm. John Wick Chapter 2 is incredible. Like... Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I yeah. l- uh, there's a thing that I really enjoyed enjoying films. Like if you're Italian, you speak Italian and mm. uh, you're yeah, Italian. Yeah. There's one thing that I like, you know, I'm, I'm very bad with people doing accidents. A- accidents? Accents. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. this one yeah, ticked all my boxes. Well. Like You there love is accents, bro. Accidents. I, I get into a lot of accidents <laughs> with accents. <laughs> accents, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, this this really uh, there was Franco Nero, um, Claudia Girini, no Claudia, Veron, Claudia Girini, Veronica Girini, Claudia Girini. And, who who uh, is the bad guy? Uh, his name uh, is Ricardo Scamarcho. Jesus Christ, that's a manly name. Yeah, and he's manly. <laughs> he's part of the Camorra. That, that is amazing. He was great, though. Yeah, yeah. He, he you really wanted to beat the crap out of him. Yeah. He's such a slimy bastard. And there's Man. Common, Common with his face that is like, yeah. it's just like this frozen face that you're like, okay, what, why, are you, why are you here? But I guess it kind <laughs> yeah. of matches Kanyu's um, uh, energy, maybe I don't know. They yeah, kind of match yeah, definitely. Each yeah. other, because um, yeah. he's basically like the anti um, John Wick. He's like his, you know. Are we talking about the same character? I don't yeah, know. common. Common. The the, the yeah. guy. He's definitely yeah. He's like equally matched in terms of skill, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, on yeah. the opposing side. Energy, because yeah, yeah. I think Common is an actor that is the same. I think he used to be a rapper, he, and now he's an he actor that is, is exactly yeah. the same in every everything you see him. And he's he's quite <laughs> popular. Like you see him often, That's and he just got this like blind. Yeah. And I don't know. But uh, what happens in Joe Wick Chapter Two? Uh, there's a blood debt that um, Santino D'Antonio has with John Wick, and John Wick, uh, John. Am I saying the right thing? Yes. Yeah, John Wick. Sorry, I was all Italian and I was like, a John, a week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Wick cannot escape. And so he has to, uh, he has to start working again. And that's it, you know? The dog is still alive though, which I'm very happy about. Yeah. Yeah. Or should I say that? Well, is know. that a spoiler? I, I think, it's, I think <laughs> the spoiler sort of uh, period has passed for John Wick chapter two. So, ah, has yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Has it? Yeah, yeah. You've got to be living like, under a rock yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> I do, but I, I live under a rock because I, I still. I, <laughs> I was like, I'm not watching John Wick, and then George forced me, and now I'm. I love it. So you're gonna watch, watch chapter yeah. three? Of course. Yeah, yeah, they add horse foo, book foo. Oh my god! Yeah, it gets, <laughs> it gets pretty ridiculous in John Wick three. You're like, nice I think there's food. barely a story. It's so much fighting. You're like. They're killing each other on this now and on this. They're killing each other with these now. You're like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty oh, Knives, books. The yeah. pencil comes Horses. back in John Wick 2. Yeah. yeah. Pencil <laughs> foo. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and then in 2023, next year, is going to be John Wick 4. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. How exciting. They need to give this character, like, yeah. you know, no spoilers and stuff, but, like, I think, I think this is just... Every single one, it like carries on straight from the other one. You're like, this carries mm. on from this. They cannot do that with the fourth one. <laughs> like, if if mm. if you guys have watched the third one, you know why I mean that. You know, they can't do that with the fourth one. He cannot. He needs a couple <laughs> months to like breathe. You know, <laughs> like if if they just he's, do that, he's John it Wick, suspends, man. It suspends can... my disbelief. You go through three movies to so much action, and you're like. 
Okay, that I can kind of get. You cannot do a fourth, especially not the state he was in. It's quite fun to imagine they all take place over the course yeah. of about six weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they time. probably did. Like uh, somebody was like, they basically just go one after the other, and you're like, yeah, it must just be a couple of weeks. He's just going full out. Yeah, um, he's John Wick, man. He can withstand yeah. anything. Yeah. What I, I think would be legs. hilarious if they just continue the fourth one from where he is, but he has to do it. It's got to be more realistic, and he's got to be in a wheelchair. You know, <laughs> wheelchair just, foo. There you go. That's yeah, it. wheelchair foo. They got to do that. He's got to be the next John Wick. He's just in a wheelchair. You know. mm. Do you know who's in the fourth one? Donnie N. Yes. Oh my so god, that's going to be amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it man. So it cool. man himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite excited about that. Yeah. Well, it's next year. Yeah, yeah. I was, so, there was so a many- point in time when it was meant to come out on the same day as The Matrix uh, 4, which obviously yeah, that didn't happen was, in the yeah. end. Mm. Uh, I wish that... Yeah. I, wish- I think because they, they were, gonna, they were f- filming it at the same time, but yeah, just... Different, something like that. Yeah. You know, all this other stuff. You know, I wish it had been wow. the Matrix that had been delayed and John Wick that had come out last Christmas, but ne- yeah. never mind. Was it that bad? I didn't. I didn't <laughs> care for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard some really crazy things from that film. Just, so. just <laughs> stupid movie. Um. But the thing is, it's bizarre. Like John Wick is so silly that it's really enjoyable to watch because you you just don't, oh, yeah. you know. A, is the the Matrix not the same? Is it not silly enough? No, it's too like it, it's I, too serious now. It's almost it's too serious. There's not enough action in it. There's a lot of like sitting around in a coffee shop and I, it it tries to be very clever and it doesn't work for me at all. Uh, I yeah, I don't know. Didn't 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 like it. Sorry, yes, and I like Ooh. I like the Lawrence first, Fishburne the is in this three. one as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming back for the full. Oh one. yeah, and exactly, uh, and he didn't he didn't return for the Matrix. No, I, I didn't. It didn't. Was he not in the Matrix? Nope. Ah, uh, nope. but Yaya Abdul Mateen II, one of our favorite actors, is in it mm-hmm. uh, playing Morpheus. But um, as good as he is, he's not Lawrence Fishburne. So no, and he's not uh, Samuel Jackson either. He's not in it either. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't don't say that to Sam. Lose his mind. Um, and that's it. Short because we're in a lot today. So yeah, well, Bell and uh, John Wick two. Two good films, or at least one good film and one that I assume is good. But I haven't seen. But they're, they're both amazing. Yeah. Watch yeah. Bell; it's so good. Cool. Um, how about you, Martin? What have you been up to recently? Uh well I've been trying to catching up on Peaky Blinders, uh nice. which is pretty cool. <clears throat> Just got the last one to watch. Um I was kind of put off watching it because it was like ninety minutes long when I I was gonna start it at like eleven o'clock. I'm like, oh god, I can't go to bed. I can't watch it now. <laughs> but um yeah, I'm really loving it. I do like Stephen Knight stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, just beautiful cin- cinematography, and it's kind of. It's got a real dark feel to it, this last series. I don't know if you guys watch Peaky Blinders, but... Um, I've watched the yeah. first episode about six times and oh, right. never managed to carry on. But I I know that one <laughs> one day I will. I just have never been in the right mood yeah. for it because it is very okay. bleak. It is very bleak, very dark. Um, it, <laughs> it gets darker from there pretty much. <laughs> but this one, this series is like proper dark. It's, it's very much a mood piece, a character piece where... Uh, Tommy Shelby is basically on his last legs. His empire is kind of, he's trying to keep hold of it. It's kind of this very classic gangster story. Um, very Martin Scorsese. Uh, yeah, well, it's set, yeah, it's, we've, we're into like the mid 1930s now. 
Yeah, no, um, no, I didn't mean I didn't mean yeah. timing or setting. Yeah, just yeah, the yeah. fact that Martin likes gangsters. To do, yeah, well, gangsters and like usually they're foals as well. Yeah, so he's kind of getting mixed in with uh, Oswald Mosley and the IRA, and they're trying to plan like this new world order. And oh, cool. Shelby is trying to like undermine them from the inside and things hmm. after a failed assassination attempt on um, Oswald. Um, yes, it's really, it's just, and like Oswald's wife is amazing in it as well, um, as this just horrible Nazi, um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Also, I've been watching Derry Girls from <gasps> Northern Ireland. Oh, I do like that. I love that. <laughs> uh, on Channel 4, it started again. So you do. Oh, <laughs> um, it sounded more like West Country. I, was, yeah. <laughs> I am from the West Country. It's uh, <laughs> a new character that was introduced. Uh, yeah, it's so it's so funny though. Yeah. Um, just these uh, four girls and a boy, <laughs> um, just getting up to absolute nonsense, and it is proper laugh out loud funny, yeah. and it's kind of got a really like. Uh, brilliant heart to it as well because it's set during the troubles in the early early 1990s so it, it does have a you know it packs a punch sometimes mm. um especially in that last episode in season two um but yeah really you know short episodes you can get through it in like an evening well one season at least um but yeah it's back on now season three loving it and of course, Moon Knight with uh, Stephen Lang. <laughs> no, Stephen Grant. That's the one. Yeah. Stephen Grant. Yeah. Very sad. Oh, yeah. I, and Mark Spector. What, what do you think about his yeah. accent? George hates it, but I think it's okay. I think it's all right. It's really great <laughs> to do. So you know, I think that's the main thing why I like it. It's just I, I don't hate yeah. it. I just think it's a bad. It's not. It's not a realistic accent. Nobody. Nobody speaks like that in the real world. Well. You haven't met everybody <laughs> in the real world. Oh, I've, I've well, that's the thing, I think, because if you've got to episode five, you kind of realise why yeah. it's... Have you watched episode five? I uh, like it. No, I've watched episode four, where he's meets at the end he meets somebody, something that is... Uh... Tawarit, the goddess Tawarit. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But I haven't yeah, watched episode like, five yet. If you like hippos... You'll love this show. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, episode episode five's got plenty of that for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, I, yeah. Always. Yeah, I I, I I thought it was all right. I I kind of want to see what happens next. If you see what I mean, okay. I, I, mm. episode five yeah, yeah. felt like they stopped to do the origin story a little bit, and I I want to see yeah. what's what's next. But I'm I'm excited for Wednesday. Yeah, because I was really I confused thought, after yeah. episode three. I was like what is happening i have no idea <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then episode yeah. four was like okay i understand and then mm. but i don't know i don't know what they're gonna do with episode six i'm just like how are they gonna end this there's so, <laughs> well, many, so much yeah, stuff it's the going thing. on it's <laughs> the thing because uh i thought this episode like i did like it and i think it's a good origin story but i think as you were saying it's like i want to see where the story's going to unfold and they would have had two episodes five and six I thought they were immediately going to get into it. But I did like the episode. I thought it was a great exploration of his psyche. Mm, but now you've yeah. got, how are they going to wrap up everything in one episode? You're like, that, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, yeah. he's kind of left in limbo that's gone on. How the hell mm. is he going to sort all this out? Yeah, it's a lot to deal um, with. Yeah. 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 I think it's a really fascinating show because, like, 
For me, the least interesting part is like Moon Knight himself. <laughs> yeah, like you you hardly mm. even see the guy in you know the suit yeah. in the. Uh, you know, I don't really, I wouldn't mind if we don't actually, we probably will see him in the last episode, but I mean, I wouldn't be too bothered if we don't actually see him because those two personalities and what's going on with the story is just very intriguing. Mm. Just like, you know. Yeah. And it, so in good. the comics, he has three personalities. So where's the, where's yeah. the, yes, he does. Yeah. Where's, exactly. Where's Jake it, it's constantly teased. Yeah. Mm. It is constantly teased. Um, but yeah, you still haven't seen it yet. I was hoping that we would see it on this uh, on the fifth episode. I think that I was, was like, the, only... the hell's where's Jake? Yeah, where's that, Jake? That was partly why I was a bit down downbeat on the on the fifth episode because I really thought that would be the one where they uh, gave us Jake Lockley. Mm-hmm. But I guess hopefully next week we'll see. Is next week the last episode or, or it there is. seven? Yeah, yeah, it's only uh, six. Okay, so uh, it's exciting. Yeah. Anything else, Martin? Uh, that's it at the moment. Well, how about you? Oh, uh, yeah, so Moon Knight, just like he said. Uh, uh, but beyond that, I'm trying to think what else I've been watching. Um, Don't uh, say Buffy. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> Buffy, feel free to say Buffy. Buffy. That's fine. Which, but, um, which season, which I, episode? George is a says it every I've, week. <laughs> no, I, I, finally, I finally finished the show, so I got the last episode. Then I start, I've started on Angel now, so I'm watching through that. All oh, right. Nice. I watched uh, World War Z yesterday. Oh, uh, that was on TV. Oh, and uh, I was Love. trying to catch up with things I haven't um, seen, especially MCU stuff. So I still hadn't watched The Eternals. So I watched that. Ooh, what do you think um, of that? What do you think? Um, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I would say, like, you know, I I don't get like people being major critical of it. I will have one big criticism, which is. I thought the story was great and I thought it's really epic and I just like yeah. the idea. And I, you know, I like how it's shot. It looks nice. But it, for me, it just felt a sort of disconnect that it didn't feel epic. Do you know what I mean? It didn't feel, mm. well, at least for me, it didn't feel as grand as, you know, as what the plot was. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So that was my kind of criticism. I was like, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting story. It's a really epic setup. Um, mm. But it just, I don't know. It just didn't feel as kind of grand as it uh, as it's you know mm. as it's wanted, meant to be. You wanted yeah. two giant spaceships to erupt from underneath the <laughs> instead of just yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> probably. yeah, probably. Yeah, but yeah, I just, I just, uh, yeah, for some reason it just didn't hit me like that. But um, but I still, I think you know the parts where they're talking and chilling, and uh, a lot of the cinematography is quite nice. So. Mm. But well, for me, Chloe it just Jow, uh, it? So. Yeah. yeah. But for me, it just didn't feel. I don't know. It just didn't feel like actiony, if that makes sense. I, I'm not. I'm not entirely I enjoyed sure the action. Express it, but it didn't feel. Yeah, it didn't I feel maybe, epic enough to me. Really, I'm not sure uh, what that is. Really, some a villain that felt like it had more of a personality might have helped in that department. Maybe I, I don't know. The, yeah, yeah. Sort of, Who was the villain? A big, a big remember. sort of evil um, dog, dog thing, basically. Yeah, Crow. Crow was uh, <laughs> wow. like, what was it? It was Crow and Icarus, basically. Um, Oh yeah! yeah. It, oh. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot oh, about sorry. Icarus. Yeah, um, but yeah, Crow was very uh, bland. Yeah, um, definitely. But I, I did love the twist. If we're talking spoilers, um, the fact that Icarus uh, ended up being the bad guy—I quite like that reveal. Mm. They, Marvel have never really done that 
before like assuming because you immediately assume they're all heroes you know they're all good people yeah um but with icarus turning on them all was was really yeah was really interesting for the prime directive whatever uh, of the Mm. sentinels plan that was that was a bold move i thought so i yeah i really enjoyed the film i i didn't really understand this massive like critical reception that it got um from a lot of reviewers I felt like they were kind of waiting for Marvel to just slip up. They're like, oh, Chloe Zhao's a big director. Can she handle it? Let's just heap lots of crap on Eternals. I don't know. It, just, yeah. it felt a bit cynical to me. <laughs> I, I loved it. I really, really, really yeah. like Eternals. I'm, yeah, big fan of it. And I like that twist mainly because it meant I realised that I wouldn't have to watch another movie with Richard Madden in the MCU. So <laughs> maybe they have it. If he becomes the new James Bond, I I'm going to quit being a fan right. of James Bond. <laughs> what was wrong with Richard Madden? He's just bland. He's just nothing. He's just like there's there's nothing to that man. I don't, I don't know. I'd much rather have a Kit Harrington than a uh, Richard Madden any day of the week. That's mm. that's my stance. Because they're teasing him as. Black Knight or something is that right, Boaz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with the something with sword <laughs> with uh, ebony blade, yeah. ebony blade. Thank you. Blade involved in some way, right? Yeah, mm. blade is somehow involved with him. Yeah, <laughs> we'll find out how yeah, in four yeah, years, probably. Um, yeah. <laughs> anything else, Boaz? That you've been. Uh, on? Oh man, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, the Planet of the Apes movies. Um, so I finally watched War for the Planet of the Apes, or War of the Planet of the Apes, because um, I watched the previous two and just didn't get around to mm. the third part. And uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and it's just crazy how sort of realistic all the fucking apes look now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really quite, yeah, it's quite, it's quite, um, quite weird. You know, it's, it's strange, but man, they look good. And, you know, yeah, I, I really liked the film. I thought it was good. Um, it was pretty long, <laughs> but beyond that, it was really good. Yeah. Well, Matt Reeves yeah. loves his biblical films, doesn't he? There's a lot of yeah. biblical imagery, just like in the yeah. Batman as well, mm. so, which is yeah. interesting. I also thought it was really great because I love his um, rivalry with Woody Harrelson's character. And uh, I thought, yeah, I just, I like Woody Harrelson in that as well. No. Being a, yeah, he's always crazy. He's shit, amazing you know. in everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he is he very much doing a Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now in that film, Woody Harrelson? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. yeah. Kind of like he's little, lost his yeah. lost his goddamn mind. <laughs> and, um It's good. It's yeah, good. Yeah. Uh something else that we know about Matt Reeves from War for the Planet of the Apes and the Batman is that he likes his films to be seven days long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, because I did find that sort of interesting. Like most of most of the sort of big spectacle action is like at the beginning, mm. and but it is a story of like revenge and redemption and family and stuff. Uh, but it's it it just seems a lot bleaker. It's like you know they're being these chimps are being like tortured in this like concentration camp like thing, and it's not as it's kind of not what I was sort of expecting. Yeah. But it is pretty dark, and it's uh. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of that one. I definitely, I think Matt Reeves is going to go on to be considered sort of one of the great kind of Hollywood directors. I think when he's when all is said and done, he really, yeah, doesn't. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the Planet of the Apes um, prequels don't get really enough credit. Like when I first heard Arise, I was like, man, mm. this is going to suck. And um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm at that point, like you know, I didn't care for Planet of the Apes, and you know, you'd had that previous reboot with Tim Burton. And like, uh, you know, I wasn't particularly like 
oh, this is going to be good or whatever. But, you know, making the apes the good guys like Caesar and making it just just really like a technical achievement. And it's, you know, I think it's really good. It doesn't get enough credit. Mm. Definitely true. Definitely true. Um, cool. All right. Thank you. Well, I, I've got a couple of things to add uh, before we move on to our top five. Um, I went to the cinema against my better judgment to see <laughs> to see Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore. Uh, last Where there week. were no secrets. Yeah. No, the yeah the secrets. <laughs> we all we're already well aware of all of the secrets the movie has to tell us. Um, it's the it's the third film in the Fantastic Beasts franchise, which is um, also potentially going to be the last film in the Fantastic Beasts franchise, based on how it's been performing. Yeah, for the better. <laughs> the first one was okay, wasn't it? So the first one was okay. Yeah, I thought what, as a standalone film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was fine. <laughs> And then, yeah, so the first one I thought was okay, but, you know, it was like a fun caper in 19, what, 1920s New York, looking at what American Wizarding World's like, fine. Second film was when they were like, right, I know it's called Fantastic Beasts, but it's not about Fantastic Beasts anymore. Now it's about Grindelwald and Dumbledore and their big um, Barney. Um, And then the third one, they've gotten rid of Johnny Depp because of everything else that's happened. They've replaced him with Mass Mickelson, which is fine, great. Love Mass Mickelson. But they don't explain why in any way. Just suddenly the Grindelwald now look, just looks mm. like a kind of a, a normal guy, whereas in the last movie he looked like a sort of cartoon character. And then <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. And then the, the plot is that... Uh, I won't go too far into spoilers, but, I mean, the basic premise of The Secrets of Dumbledore is twofold. Number one... There is a sort of a blood, a spiritual, magical blood oath thing between Grindelwald and Dumbledore that says that they're not allowed to go up against each other. If either of them fights the other one, then this chain that Dumbledore has around his arm will like squeeze him to death and kill him. So he can't, he can't directly go against Grindelwald. Okay, so, so he gets. Is that why he got Ezra Miller? Ez, well, <laughs> Ezra Miller. <laughs> So, you know, he could beat Dumbledore with a chair or something. I guess that's the idea. I guess that's the idea. Because as we learn at the end of uh, the last film, Ezra Miller is a Dumbledore. Turns out Dumbledore's nephew. Um, uh, yeah, I guess. But then there's a the, the Dumbledore and Ezra Miller have a fight in this movie that uh, that is doesn't exist in any... Like, they're both walking down a street. What city are they in? What mm. country in the world are they in? I couldn't tell you. And they both happen <laughs> to be there at the same time. They have a big fight. It transpires... In a puddle, which was... Yeah, inside a puddle. And then <laughs> and then that, the movie just moves on from that. Um, and the basically the conceit is that this, this gang of people that, that Dumbledore's gotten together, Newt Scamander leading them, Eddie Redmayne, they're all going to go up against Grindelwald, but because they can't make a specific plan because of the magic oath thing, they decide, well, we're just going to have to do random things that eventually maybe will result in Grindelwald being defeated, which is almost like the film saying, what? hey, look, nothing that happens in the next two hours is going to make sense. But that's fine. <laughs> that's how we... Why does that's it, our... That's what... This reminds me of that uh, Rick and Morty high step. Exactly. It's exactly like that, but in a $250 million children's film. Jesus it's, it's literally like, it doesn't matter that none of it makes sense. That's by design. I'm very intelligent. I'm a very mm. intelligent screenwriter, and it's on purpose that all of this is nonsense. 
Yeah. Did they hire uh, Elon Trusk? Was it Tusk? Elon Tusk. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, yeah. and then two hours later, you get to a scene where uh, Grindelwald is trying to become uh, elected as, as king of all wizards, which I didn't realise was really a thing, but apparently that's a big thing. You can be king of all the wizards. Um, and I think it was a big thing in like the couple of seconds it took to write that yeah, sentence. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yes, he wants to be king of and, all the wizards. And how do they decide who the king of the wizards is? Do all of the wizards across the world vote and then they decide on the most popular one? No, of course not. They get a magical horse and whoever the horse chooses, <laughs> that's king of the wizards. Could, yeah. Is that a system? Is it like a deer? Wasn't yeah, it? Like, like a, a little, little magical deer. It was cute though. It, sort like. of cute, but then, but then, <laughs> who like is that a system that that is corruptible by an evil villain? Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> so obviously, that all goes wrong. The movie. Uh, um, is the screenwriter younger than ten? Uh, well, I mean, it's 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 J.K. Rowling, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, she. So yeah, she wrote. The, she wrote, oh she wrote the screenplay for the first two, and then for this one, it's oh. very weird because when this movie finishes, it says based on a story by J.K. Rowling, screenplay by J.K. Rowling and Steve Cloves, and Steve Cloves wrote all the original Harry Potter film screenplays. So she obviously wrote a screenplay for this movie, and one of us said, and he's like, "I got to do something about yeah, this." Yeah, one of us patch gone, it up somehow. J.K., this doesn't make any sense, and. She went, no, it does. It's on purpose because of the, the, the oath thing. It's not meant to make sense. And they said, no, no, it just doesn't make sense. So we're going to get Steve Bloves <laughs> to come in and write it with you. And then hopefully it'll make sense. And it still doesn't. Awful movie. Hated it so much. I want to see what her version yeah. of it was like. They released the yeah. J.K. Rowling cut. Yeah, the, the, the Rowling yeah. cut. Yeah. yeah, I saw it as well. What did you think of it, the other, the other week. I was just bored. Yeah, that's another problem. I was problem. really bored. <laughs> I, I mean, there's a scene where they go to the Himalayas near the end and like, how can you make the Himalayas, this really exotic location, boring? You know, it's just, it all looks the same. Like everywhere they go, it looks the same. Like the giant, uh, what's it call it? The giant spider thing in the prison. That was fun. But apart from that, it, it was, and like way too many, po- too much politics. This is supposed to be a kid's movie. Yeah, there's a lot of and Like the whole film is, is around... Like a political election, and it's just like, do, do, do you want to know? John making the uh, episode, she's making the Phantom Menace mistakes there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. People want more too many politics. trade rules. Uh, sh- shall I? <laughs> yeah. Shall I tell you how you make the Himalayas boring? You you oh, write your you write your entire movie with the intention of having that entire sequence be set in Rio de Janeiro, and then you allow a global pandemic to completely scupper your production, and instead decide to set it <laughs> in the empty mountains of the Himalayas and. Had, and yeah. you don't have any time where, where for you're time. you're further than two meters from yeah everybody. exactly that's hilarious um, two hundred miles which is why one of the one of the um, people that that is up for being elected is like a Brazilian wizard witch because she's meant to be <laughs> she's there's the whole meant to be happening in Brazil oh god ridiculous nonsense movie <laughs> never mind like if you're gonna have problems like that I think like studios shouldn't be afraid to delay it like delay just get it right you know don't mm-hmm. just be so sticky with your release dates yeah. in my opinion I think Universal are, are undergoing that problem at the moment aren't they with the director of Fast and Furious 10 resigning a week yeah, a week into production yeah. um <laughs> oh, shit. yeah why? Have to. Uh, creative differences um there is a there is a great video on Twitter of Vin Diesel and the director, um, like like Vin Diesel's filming it and saying like, "Oh, we're winking to production, Justin Lin, director of this movie. How are you feeling?" And he just looks at the camera and goes, 
I'm feeling great. This movie is going to be <laughs> <the best." laughs> And then literally a day later, he announced he'd quit the film. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I think Vin Diesel is the only one that thinks the fast films are like great art that really yeah. see, needs to be seen. Yeah, I mean, I you know. I do enjoy them, but they're not. They're you know they're silly. They're mm. silly movies. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think he's the only one that's not like in on the joke. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he he genuinely thinks yeah. it's all about family. He really does. Yeah. Family. <laughs> all about family, family and a nice cool Corona. <laughs> so that was that was Fantastic Beast. Uh, the other movie I watched this week was um, the 2021 musical Dear Evan Hansen. Oh what, well, George! You just watched rubbish this week. I've not seen this one. So no. this is a movie. I think he likes to suffer. I do. I do I a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You're a masochist. So this this film is based on a uh, stage play that I think started in 2015, uh, which is a musical. It won loads of Tony awards. Um, about a, a socially awkward teenager in high school. He's like a senior. He's in his senior year, so what would he be about eighteen? Um, and he um, he's got severe social anxiety, which is never fully like quantified what it is in the movie, which is fine. Um, and he's been told by his therapist to write himself letters uh, to kind of like um, as like an exercise in 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 improving his his social anxiety. So he writes these letters to himself to start with, Dear Evan Hansen, today's going to be a great day. Here's why, da 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 And um, the, at the start of the movie, he writes one of these letters. He accidentally prints it, and um, he goes to take it from the printer because he's in, he's in school. It's in the, like, the school library. And this sort of bully boy, who's already yelled at him once in the movie, um, comes up to the printer and takes it and sees that Evan Hansen has mentioned this bully's sister in the letter because he has a crush on his sister. And he gets all angry at it and he storms off the letter. And also just before this happens, Evan Hansen has a uh, cast on his arm and the bully signs the cast as like a sarcastic thing. And he's like, we can both pretend we have friends. Um, Then the bully uh, very tragically uh, takes his own life and the mum and dad of the bully, uh, the mum played by Amy Adams, discovers this letter and thinks that it was a letter that the bully wrote to Evan Hansen, so convinced themselves that the bully and Evan Hansen were best friends. And so then Evan Hansen goes along with that and becomes the centre of this let's all kind of memorialise this this person who's died, who was such good friends with Evan Hansen, and then he wheedles, wheedles his way into the life of, of the family who think that he was a really good friend of this boy that's died, but he actually didn't know him at all. And that character yeah. is the hero of the, of the movie, <laughs> rather than yeah. the villain in some way. Um, <laughs> and also it's a musical, so the characters are constantly breaking out into song in the middle of discussing these quite um, intense Mm. mental health challenges. Uh, When it came out in Broadway, it won loads of awards and people loved it. And Evan Hansen was played originally by Ben Platt, uh, who's an actor that appeared in the Pitch Perfect movies years ago. And so that was in 2015. And then in 2021, they decided, let's make a movie of it. And because everybody loved Ben Platt's performance so much originally, let's cast him again, even though now he's 26 years old and no longer looks like a high school senior. So to sort it out, they made him grow his hair really long and curly, 
and they put all makeup and prosthetics on his face to try and make him look younger. And what they've actually <laughs> what they actually end up doing is they make him look ten years older. So it looks like you're watching a movie <laughs> where a man in his mid thirties pretends to go to high school and falls in love with a teenage girl and pretends to be the best friend of this teenage girl's brother. It is that sounds creepy as fuck. It's that's one. It's that. It's it's every, it's. That sounds a hundred times more interesting. It's, <laughs> it's bizarre. It's such a fascinatingly weird. Because like, I've got a weird little soft spot for musicals, and I've also got a soft spot for like yeah, films that everyone like. When everyone goes, this movie's terrible, and here's why, and it's always a really interesting idea. I'm like, oh, or like a really odd reason why it's terrible. I'm always like, I want to see that. And whenever you look up Dear Evan Hansen, the reviews, the word that comes up again and again and again to describe Ben Platt is ghoul or ghoulish. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, this can't, like, it won all these awards on Broadway. It must be, at the the centre of it must be something good. Maybe the alternate title is like Quasimodo goes to school. (laughs) Yeah, he, like, he literally walks around hunched up like this. Oh like, God! He look. He does look. He he kind of holds himself with a posture like a hunchback almost in the movie. Is, <laughs> is it set in Paris? No, 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 no. It's set in. It's set in America, somewhere. He just All randomly right. climbs the Notre Dame Cathedral, <laughs> picks the um, <laughs> But also, his mum is played by Julianne Moore. Like you've got you've got big and the, the love interest is played by Caitlin Dever, who was in Booksmart. And uh, has been in a few mm. things, so really like a great cast um, all around it and stuff. So I kind of watched it with a really open mind, wanting to enjoy it and wanting to be able to be like, no, actually, I think this movie's okay. No, no, it's really <laughs> bad. It's really, really shockingly terrible. Right. And he really like it was a bad decision to try and make this 26 27 year old guy look like he's in school and he's about the same age john travolta was when he played a high school student in greece but in that movie they're just like we're gonna cast everyone to be the yeah, at this age old in that film. and we're just gonna they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're teenagers so it's fine whereas in this yeah. movie they're like no we're gonna try and make him look young but we're gonna hire the worst yeah. people in the world to do it apparently well <laughs> nicola Coughlin, who's in dairy girls she's like 32 yes. Or thirty three or something, wow. and she's playing like sixteen, and she does it so convincingly. Yeah, but <laughs> that's amazing. Ben, you know. ben Platt. And what was it? I, there was. I've got to find the name of this actress, but um, I remember I saw this meme where um, this this one actress she's been playing like a high schooler for the last twenty years or something. She doesn't seem to age, you know. So they just keep recycling her into. Oh, there's that one actress that plays Moaning Myrtle in the Harry Potter movies who was like 40 yeah. when she played her and she plays like the ghost That's of crazy. a teenage girl, yeah. Bloody hell. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Dear Evan Hansen, but I wouldn't recommend How was it. the music? The music is not amazing, like kind of. Okay. It's okay. It's not nothing to write home about. Like, I don't quite understand why this, and I think there's been a big turn on this where like now people are like, actually the plot of this movie is really, the plot of this entire story Never sh- it, this should never have been hailed as a great musical because the plot is weird, like creepy, mm. like what, like <laughs> why does he do that? Like strange. It's such a strange thing. But I always, whenever there's something that one set of people kind of hold up as amazing, and then it, it enters another area of culture, and everyone kind of decides it's terrible. I always find that really like fascinating, interesting mm. thing. So I, yeah. I wanted. Like, I have to watch. This yeah, exactly. Now. <laughs> so I, it's, two, it's two hours and twenty minutes long as well. It's not short. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus no. Christ. No, sorry. <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, anyway, that's that. I wouldn't recommend it, but if you ever get a chance to see it for free, um just watch just watch 20 minutes of it just to see how like ghoulish 
this guy is. It's bizarre. Um, the only thing I mentioned is because it's relevant to when I was on film versus film, I did also get to see The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, um, the Nicolas Cage movie where he plays himself being paid a million dollars to go and spend uh, a weekend at a millionaire's birthday party in Spain, the millionaire in question played by Pedro Pascal. And it's uh, a delight. It's a really fun, nice time. Um, and um, it's, it is literally filled to the brim with references to just about every movie mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage has ever made, including a great Leaving Las Vegas reference and a couple of really great um, nods to The Rock as well. So, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Has anyone else managed to see that one yet? Yeah, I, I've managed to see it this week. Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, who's the character, like, his imaginary, like, conscience Oh, Nicky. I can't remember. It's, it's him done to look like he looked yeah. in Wild at Heart, right? I think. Oh, right. That's the one I haven't seen. It's great. Wild at Heart's great there, film. Yeah. Um, and yeah, his alter ego <laughs> in that is freaking hilarious. Yeah, there was a pretty great scene where Nicolas Cage makes out with himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely go and see the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent if you can. I I enjoyed it. Um. But yeah, that's uh, that is culture catch up for this week. I think. Thanks for thanks for joining everyone. Five, four, three, two, one. Our top five. Um. Let's get into our topic today then. Top five Bruce Willis movies. Top five Bruce Willis performances. However you want to cut it. Um, this was hard. Yeah, this like I haven't had found a hard list like this for a <laughs> while. Yeah, this this was a tough one. Um, because there's a lot of films and some bad ones. Yeah, which he's good in. Yeah, there are bad movies that he's good in. <laughs> yeah, so including hmm. one in particular that I'm going to have on my list for certain. Um, but we we kind of we threw this over to you guys to pick uh, the topic for us when you were guests. So why did you go with Bruce Willis yeah. movies? Um, well, we kind of realized that we'll probably not, uh, cover any Bruce Willis films on our podcast because he's sadly recently retired because he's been diagnosed with asthesia. Mm. So yeah, he's sadly retired. Um, and we probably kind of know the reason why now he's been making a lot of these, you know, straight to DVD videos because he's probably trying to pay off medical bills. I'm not sure, but, um, Yeah, so it's, it's quite sad. So for you know what, let's have a kind of reminisce, I guess. I on, think we did on at least podcast. one film that he's in. Yeah, I can't remember now. Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. So with when you asked us to come on, we were like, you know what, you know, he's recently retired. Let's do Bruce Willis movies on your pod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it definitely fit. I mean, we've done episodes recently on Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves. So let's do another sort of icon of nineties cinema. That's that kind of yeah. falls in line with what we do so it's pretty it's pretty good how did you find making your lists had it um tricky or easy or uh <laughs> i don't think i've ever watched so many bruce willis films <laughs> in such a short period of time but <laughs> but yeah it was a lot of fun um there's a few i c- i didn't manage to rewatch, uh but i'm p- pretty happy with my top five <laughs> good pretty happy with good. it Mine, mine took ages to pull together, but I'm, I'm feeling happy with it. I think. Hmm. Um. I'm, I'm worried about my number five, but it's fine. <laughs> Did everyone put Fifth Element as number five? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
No. I, I, I prefer the sequel. In fact, you will be very surprised where I've put it. Interesting. Oh. oh God, Boaz, you haven't, have you? Jesus <laughs> Christ! Shut up, man. Um, <laughs> good nostalgic, nostalgic feeling about that movie. Oh yeah, I agree. I watched, I watched the Fifth Element this morning. It was the last thing I did before we uh, started recording because uh, I hadn't seen it in a very long time. Um, but yeah, the sequel, The Sixth Sense, is probably a little bit better in my opinion. But you're such a. <laughs> You know, I've never seen, I never watched a Sixth Sense. That is hilarious. Really? I think I just got that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. Um, yeah. Uh, well, what, the way we normally do it is that uh, we kind of, me and Alex go back and forth with our choices and talk about them as we go. But I thought as there's four of us and there's probably going to be a lot of crossover, if we each just uh, right. go around and say our fives and then our fours and then our threes and I'll note down what we all say and then we can kind of uh, talk about sure. the uh, the relevant choices at the end of it. So um, we can go the same order we did with um, with Culture Catch-Up. And Alex, what's your number five? Uh, okay. <laughs> My number five. I, I have to choose between two, and they're both very bad films, but I really love Bruce Willis in it. But, so, but I think I made a choice because Bruce Willis has different hairstyles in it, and he's really serious. <laughs> so my number five is called The Jackal. Oh, the Jackal. Oh, oh my shit. I, okay. I have a soft spot play- for that. I nearly, I nearly rewatched that. <laughs> Martin, number five, go. Uh, die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh, die Hard with oh. a Vengeance. I. It's a good choice. Uh, nice. Boaz, what have you gone with number five? Uh, Sin City. Sin City. Oh, great choice. Yeah, I've only yeah. yeah I've only seen that once. I need to watch that again. I think. Um, yeah, I quite. It's I, awesome. I still quite like Sin City. I think. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's great. Um, for my number five, I've gone with a film that we've already mentioned uh, earlier, Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, yeah, Captain Sharp. Nice. Yeah, he plays Captain Sharp. Love it. Um. Okay, Alex, number four. Number four, you just is your number five is uh, Bruce Willis as Captain Sharp in Moonrise Kingdom. Nice, I love him. Martin, yeah. uh, Unbreakable. <gasps> oh, okay. oh. My first M Night Shyamalan oh. movie on the list. There, I like it. <laughs> um, Buzz. Uh, this is where I put Die Hard with a Vengeance. Fair ah. call. Yeah. Um. My number four, again, a movie that we've already talked about, The Fifth Element. I've got, I've put, I've put that at number four. Uh, nice. Where it plays Corbin Dallas. Um, okay, Alex, what's your number three? My number three is Bruce Willis as as Butch Coolidge in Pulp Fiction. Nice. Okay. First mention of that. Uh, Martin. My number three is Sin City. Interesting. Oh. Okay. Uh, Boaz. Uh, my number. What are what are we on now? Three. 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 Okay. My number three is the Fifth Element. Oh, nice. Um, and I've gone with it. Number three. Um, the sequel, The Sixth Sense. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Gonna ride that joke into the uh. ground. Uh, yeah. Um, Alex, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is uh, uh, Bruce Willis as John McCain in Die Hard. Lovely choice. Um, Martin? My number two is The Sixth Sense. Oh. 
Nice, good shout. And uh, Boaz, number two. So I'm still not sure where to put my number two <laughs> and one. Oh come on! <laughs> so I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna go with as is. Um, but I went Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction at number right. two. Okay. Um, my number two is uh the same as Alex's Die Hard. Oh, yeah. because we're basic. <laughs> exactly because I'm basic. That's that's why. Um, what's your number? Oh, so this is this is the big one now. So Alex, the best Bruce Willis performance of all time is. Uh, Bruce Willis as Corbin Dallas in The Fifth Element. Fair play. Wow. Yeah. Is ah. Oh. Um. Yeah, he won that competition. <laughs> yeah, he really did. Uh, Martin, <laughs> what's your pick for the absolute best he's ever been? Mine is John McTiernan's finest piece of work, in my opinion. It is Die Hard. Ah, uh, you're basic too, like us. <laughs> <laughs> basic bitch. Basic. <laughs> Book bookending your list with Die Hards. I like it. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I hope no one is going with Glass because no one gives a shit about Glass. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> no, not. You need Glass to make windows. <laughs> glass is important. Oh, pencils. Not where you don't have any shoes. <laughs> True. Um, Boaz, what's your pick for the absolute top? What is better than Pulp Fiction? Okay, so I've picked um, 12 Monkeys. <gasps> wow, interesting. Good First choice. mention of 12 Monkeys. Yeah. Yeah, which is twice as good as uh, Six Cents, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> True. Oh, the comedy is off the chain. <laughs> 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 Just tumbleweed from me. <laughs> uh, my pick for my favourite Bruce Willis performance of all time is one that no one's mentioned yet, and it is his really? his performance as the title role in the classic Hudson Hawk. What the hell uh, is that? I know. <laughs> I know. George made me draw it, and I was like, who the hell is this? What the hell is this? <laughs> oh, I'm so excited that you've all got blank faces. I can tell you all about Hudson Hawk. Um, well, they've got blank faces. I've got a blank screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, that's interesting. I'm looking at our lists, and I don't think I, there's a single movie that appears in all four lists, which... Um, Kind of shows, I guess, the range of what he did over the course of his career uh, that we can all all make kind of equally different lists. Um, I think the one that's mentioned the most is Die Hard. So let's have a quick, let's have a little chat. Die Hard. Die Hard. Die Hard. And we can incorporate Die Hard with a vengeance in there as well, as uh, Martin and Bursa both picked that. Um, this was his first sort of big Hollywood role after being in the, uh, the TV yeah. show Moon something. <laughs> Moon. We're gonna pretend we know his career. Uh, Moonlight. Moonlight. I think it was called Moonlight because Moonlighting. Moonlight. Moon Moon I think. Moonlight. Yeah. He played Stephen Grant. Yeah. <laughs> and Hudson Hawk. <laughs> yeah, Moonlighting. I, I kept my brain just wanted to say Moonstruck, but Moonlighting. that's uh, Nicholas Cage. That's not Bruce Willis. Oh, um, great film. What made you pop Die Hard on your list at number two, Alex? Because it's, uh, it's like an action film and it's also funny and I watch it so many times and I just remember so many things about it. It's full of action. Mm. It's, uh, it's got some iconic scenes. There's some glass, you know, foot on glass. Uh, it's one man against everyone, a little bit like John Wick. It's just amazing. 
It's a great film. Yeah. Yeah. And Bruce Willis is like an action an action comedic actor here. Like he's also really funny. Uh he's a yeah. and so I think that's why it's so good. I think when this movie came out, action movies were like were full of quips and it was the era of like Schwarzenegger doing his one liners and Stallone yeah. doing his one liners. But the thing that made this different from those movies is that like John McClane feels like somebody that could actually get hurt. Like you see him wince mm. and you see him you see the pain that he goes yeah. through as he gets beaten apart by these by these terrorists. Whereas like Schwarzenegger and Stallone, it was always about the fact that they could just kind of storm through a building of people and come out of it looking exactly the same. Whereas Bruce Willis yeah. Yeah. feels like a he's person. He's the ultimate every man. Exactly. Yeah. He's the ultimate every yeah. man. Uh, you can relate to him so much, can't you? Because, uh, you know, he's just a copy. He's not a superhero. He doesn't have any super strength. So mm. He's just very relatable. Unless, until you get to the later films in the Die Hard. <laughs> I mean, Die Hard, no. Die Hard he 4, where he fight, fights a plane. Yeah. Yes. Yes, where he fights a plane. They get, yeah. And, and destroys a helicopter with a car. You know? Yes, yep, he yep. does. <laughs> Or die, does that bit in uh, Die Hard Five, which is the one of the worst movies I've, I've ever sat through, where he uh, no, I didn't bother with that. So <laughs> terrible. Uh, he jumps out of a window and falls about forty feet onto some glass, and then just gets up and runs off. He they turn him into a superhero in those movies, and it kind of completely forgets what made uh, the original so yeah. good. Why did you pop it at number one, Martin? What makes it the absolute top of the pile? I think. I think it's just an action classic. I think it's by far the best diehard film, I think. Uh, just It's kind of really interesting with the script as well, as you say. It's it's, it's really hilarious at times. Um, you know, welcome to the party, pal, and <laughs> Glass. Who gives a shit about Glass? And, you know, that constant dialogue between... The, the 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 cops in the in the car and John McClane at the top and you know he's like oh I'm I'm quite partial to Roy Rogers actually you know not John Wayne it's just you know really quippy and yeah. a really clever live really clever script as well because you know um as the terrorists you know take over the the um, Nakatomi building the Nakatomi Plaza sorry uh that doesn't seem to be a relationship, you know, um, from, uh, what's his name? Uh, Alan Rickman's character, Hans Gruber. He, from all the hostages, he doesn't know that anyone is related to John McClane until he finds the picture of Holly in the room. So it's just kind of a nice reveal there, the, uh, um, which furthers the story. Uh, yeah, it's just... You know, it's hilarious. It's just and just like really grounded action as well, like really slick action, nothing too ridiculous. And again, like it's kind of late eighties, isn't it? Eighty eight. Yep. Um, so again, me and Boaz are quite big fans of practical action and there's not a lot of CG in this at all. Mm. Um, so it's just really visceral and just and all also I just kind of love films where the hero is kind of stuck in a particular place. Uh, just like John McTiernan's previous film, Predators, they're just trapped in this jungle, you know, with the Predator just taking them out. And, you know, John McClane is just on his own in this building, <laughs> surrounded by terrorists, and he's got to try and, uh, you know, uh, take them out one by one. And he could literally slip up and fail any time. And, I mean, there are occasions where it is a bit silly. I mean, there's one scene... 
where one of the bad guys finds him in 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 one of the rooms and there's a really long table and the bad guy just and John McClane is under the table the bad guy gets on top of the table <laughs> and walks along it while shooting him I'm just like you could just shoot him under the <laughs> table but you know it, you know and he just takes him out through the table but um yeah it's fun it's just so much fun and just really epic you know in that bit at the end where the the massive german guy with long hair comes out all raging and firing off his machine gun and the and the black police guy who's never sh- well he shot a kid before <laughs> yeah. he told uh bruce willis which is quite an emotional moment for that character as well so it's just a really epic moment when he shoots the massive mm-hmm. german dude at the end definitely um yeah, yeah i love it so good uh, Boaz, you've got Die Hard Free on your list, but not Die Hard. What puts what makes you put Die Hard Free above the original? So uh, I, think I, I think <laughs> yeah, I think I would have put Die Hard, and I would have put it like later. But and this isn't like you know, I suppose um, how you do top fives. But I thought a lot of people are going to put Die Hard. Yeah. So and I don't want my list to just be like half Die Hard. That's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> you know, because I actually like a lot of them. <laughs> I haven't watched the last one. Don't, don't, don't. Do you know, actually, I heard something incredibly interesting. I was watching a a YouTube documentary about the making of all the diehards, and they said the fifth diehard is the only one which the script was was meant to be a diehard movie. Yes. And that, to me, is crazy. That is is really crazy. Apparently, um, Die Hard 1 is an adaption of the book Nothing Lasts Forever. Die Hard 2 took... uh, it was based on a script that was going to be an adaption of fifty-eight a uh, novel called Fifty Eight Minutes. Uh, so a completely really? different book by a completely different author, mm-hmm. and they just kind of put John McClane in it. Die Hard Three was an original script called Troubleshooter, and then they rewrote it to have John McClane in it. And I think mm-hmm. Die Hard Four was uh, something. Um, it's called like it had some like uh, new agey electronic name, but it also was an uh, an original script that they just injected John McClane in it. I think that is fascinating. It was, it was a really interesting part. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sorry for my no. tangent there. I just thought no, that was no, really it's, interesting. It's an interesting one. I'm glad you explained it because I didn't realise what you said. I was like, what? Yeah. Are they not yeah. all diehards? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the original scripts that they penned yeah. were not made to, meant to be oh, diehard movies. Wow. They, they rewrote them to put John McClane in them. I think that's, that's pretty, pretty insane. But. Um, I think Die Hard 3 uh, I put on because I think that needs a mention because I watched yeah. it a lot later, you know, and I've watched Die Hard. And I really like Die Hard 3. I don't think it, you know, gets brought up enough. Uh, I love his chemistry with Samuel Jackson. Mm. Yeah. Um, I genuinely like the bad guy's plan on robbing uh, the Federal Reserve. I think yeah. it's incredible and elaborate. You know, I love I, it I like because high, high I love it because so they like, make Jesus. you know the police just look stupid. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I I just think it, I think it's got a nice you know a couple of nice really good twists in it, and um, and you know I like the ending and stuff. And another interesting thing I found out about Die Hard Three is the ending was originally going to be a lot darker and like sadder, like really? yeah, apparently, and they they even shot it. You can even watch clips of it. Uh, the bad guy actually manages to um, to get away, and John McClane gets fired, and and his life is just trash because the, the bad guy succeeded, and then uh, he finds the bar where the bad guy is years later and plays Russian roulette with him with a rocket launcher. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> insane. Yeah, 
Yeah. What 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 do you think of Jeremy Irons in comparison to Alan Rickman in terms of like who's who who's the better um, European baddie? Alan Rickman. I I think Alan Rickman is the better yeah. villain. Yeah. You know I think you 100%. know that's Mr. Katagi. You know, I will yeah. count two three. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. But I do I do have a big soft spot yeah. though for Jeremy Irons and Die Hard Revenge. Yeah, he's I think still he's, great. Yeah. He's about as good as you can get without just hiring Alan Rickman again uh, for that kind of type yeah. of villain character. I am. Um, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I guess a small criticism with it is the fact that, like, they don't necessarily get to the heart of of this vengeance part of the title. It's Mm. a bit, it does feel a bit... Well, it's meant to be, it's meant to be a a diversion tactic almost, isn't it? The the idea that he wants revenge for the death of Hans Gruber and that's why it makes him involve John McClane. And it's all to distract him from the Federal Reserve. Yeah. And I, still, I think that kind of ties in with the, mm. the first film because his brother was making it look like he was some sort of ideological, yeah. you know, he's doing it for ideological reasons when actually it was to get to the vault. So this mm. one, oh, it's to revenge about my brother. It doesn't give a fuck about his brother. It's to yeah. rob the... I love that bit in the original Die Hard where Alan Rickman's listing off all these terrorists he wants freed and he just stops and says to his mate, like, I read about them in Time magazine or something like he's... Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no idea who any of these people are. Oh, it's uh, it's it's a yeah, it's a pretty good film. <laughs> I like. Yeah, I just love the fact that he uses um, you know, Simon Says as as his massive like misdirect throughout the story. Yeah. You know, like there's a scene where um the first riddle they have to do, and you know they get it wrong, and they you know they they uh, jump into the street and uh, and they think the bomb is going to go off but then when they get to the phone he says he's laughing and the bomb didn't go off he's like I didn't say Simon says <laughs> and then but then like when they have the scene in the FBI car when that brilliant scene with the where the one of the FBI guys is like sat at the back you know saying nothing until have you uh, heard of the name Gruber you know uh, but yeah. when but when um uh, Jeremy Jeremy Irons you know, talks to them, you know, he's like, you know, uh, says hello to the other FBI guys. Are you still chewing your glasses, Bill, to make you look uh, macho or something? (laughs) You know, that was brilliant. Oh yeah, like he's sort of omnipresent. But when he sets up the plot, the fact that there's a bomb in the school, he doesn't say Simon Says. Mm. And it's like, Mm. I'm like, uh, no one catching, (laughs) they didn't say Simon Says, people. (laughs) Come on, play the game. (laughs) Yeah, I I like some of the twists in that, like especially... uh, I think one of my favorite scenes that sticks out to me is like, is an action scene, but it's the least actiony of it. But I just like how it's kind of explained later, where uh, Simon sends all those cop, those guys dressed as cops, to take him, and uh, he's made to believe they're just policemen, and he just looks at their badges and then just looks away, and then uh, he says some sort of joke about lottery numbers and then just shoots them, yeah. and I'm like, why the hell did you do that? And he was like, uh, he's using his cop experience. The badge number, the ID numbers are just incorrect. Like, he would know that. He's like, you know. Well, he recognises the badge number because they're all saying that they all use uh, the numbers for the lottery. Yeah. Earlier on in the film, yeah. So it's quite clever writing that to to take those guys down. You know, I like that just when the the good guy is kind of cleverer than the audience and it's not, it's not... you know, done in such a way that it's unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it is good writing. I like it. Um, let's take a trip to France and discuss uh, one of the maddest movies he's ever done, The, the <sighs> Fifth Element. 
Uh, Alex, you've popped this at number one. So what? why do you like yeah. this movie so much? Well, I love the movie in general. Like, it's just a perfect yeah. movie. I love Luc Besson. Yay. And I think this is a crazy <laughs> film. It's, uh, it's so... It's just crazy. Like anything that happens here, like, uh, I don't know why. And um, and I think, you know, this this comes like maybe 10 years after Die Hard. About that, like nine years, I think. Yeah. 99. Yeah. It, it is a mad film because of just how much crazy shit is. I mean, you've got aliens, yeah. warriors from the past, you know, high, high sci-fi cars and flying and all. Some demon meteorite. You yes, know, but it's also, crazy. You know, at it's the end, it's all about nightmare. love. It's like it's oh, all about love. Yeah. it's all about the love, yeah. and it's just yeah. so. And I just, mm. it's just such a great film. It's so entertaining. Yeah. It's so, and and Bruce Willis is, you know, nine years after he hasn't changed. Is uh, still like an action hero, and he is just brilliant in this film. Mm. I he's really ca- I, yeah he's he's really charismatic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure I've seen a movie where a plane taking off, a man blowing up, and a fi- female orgasm caused by what can I can I only be described as Chris Tucker's bleached dildo haircut cut all together. <laughs> I'm like, wow, yeah, it's quite that's <laughs> that is insane. That is a very <laughs> ambitious little bit of editing that they do there to kind of like, to link all Jesus of those Christ. Um, but it works. I love, I love this film, but. I just was so disappointed Chris Tucker didn't die. I'm like... Oh, God. <laughs> okay, yeah, I will say that. I was saying, watching it, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, Please the amusing clown the amusing clown man. You know, that's funny. Rewatching it, you're like, Chris Tucker, shut the fuck up for two seconds. Really. <laughs> you know? Like, um, that's true. Yeah. But that haircut... <laughs> What the fuck is that all yeah. about? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it is, it is oh. like they went to a man and said, can we pay you $3 million to sabotage our movie, please? <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Is he that annoying? Like he is annoying. He's he supposed to be annoying. Yeah, and, and yeah. it's like, supposed to be annoying. It's like so, the you know. comedic kind of like annoyance yeah. that mm. you know. I think the fact that it's well over an hour into the movie before he turns up is the only reason that it yeah. kind of is. Yeah, all yeah right. I think that because yeah. you don't that have to really put up with too it. much of it. Yeah, I, I intermittently humorous to have him screeching and yelling while Bruce Willis is trying to like fight a room full of pigmen. <laughs> Yeah. But it, oh, oh, yeah, the that pig was man. comes yeah. close. Yeah, I <laughs> uh, but I, I think it. I think a big part of why the movie works is that it is so mad and so full of yeah. just high strangeness that the reason why you can go with it is because at the centre of it, you've got such a safe pair of hands in Bruce Willis, who is just mm. pretty yeah. much doing his John McClane thing. But it needs it needs to have that kind of something in the middle you can hang on to and say, right, I, I know where I am with this. I know where I am with Bruce Willis and everything that's happening around him you can kind of just go with. And it also, like, uh, Millie Overvich has not had the career that she should have had off the back of this. She is, she no. is so mm. fantastically good in this movie. Yeah. Um, I know yeah, we're trying to say Willis, that, but... you know. Wait, yeah, I was going to say that when you're talking about Bruce Willis. You've got to talk about her because I just love her, like... Um, like childhood innocence, rage, mm. and then just kind of understanding and eventually like love, just that whole thing. Yeah. I think that's great. Especially when she, you know, that bit where she gets shot. And so she's like crying. She's like, you know, she's dying mm. and he's like cradling yeah. her. And you think she's been such a badass, and uh, she's just like, uh, you know, she's like a frightened yeah. kid, you know? It's, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. She's, she's oh, great. Multi multi pass Lilu Dallas multi pass multi pass yeah multi pass <laughs> <laughs> multi pass 
Um, mm. I think the only thing that doesn't fully hold up with time, in my opinion, a little bit, is Gary Oldman's performance in that movie. Oh, shut really? up. Shh. Gary Oldman can yeah. do no wrong. No, he can't. He can't anyway. I just finished. Uh, I didn't mention him, but I just watched all all of yeah. the first season of Slow Horses on Apple TV, and he is all so right, nice. so good in that. But yeah. I think that he's doing what he did in Leon, but not quite as well as he does it in Leon, in my opinion. And he just sort of ends up getting... Yeah, he gets taken out by a bomb. He doesn't even sort of fight the the hero at the end. I just feel like he doesn't get fully served (laughs) by the movie. It's my one sort of little complaint. I liked him. I I love the little gun... Well, they're not little, but that, like, awesome gun he has with, like, all the different (laughs) (laughs) ways of killing aliens or whatever. I I I think the character was pretty uh, pretty cool, and I I think Gary Oldman was good. And, you know, just unrecognisable. I do think it's more... Like he's under, he's not utilized properly, uh, you know. But uh. mm. I actually love um, Ian Holm in this film yes. as well as the priest. There's that yeah. brilliant scene where he he has with Gary Oldman in in Gary Oldman's office, and he's he's choking on like a cherry, <laughs> and like all these things are popping up on his desk. Even the weird <laughs> mu- mutant elephant thing comes <laughs> yeah. up, elephant and you thing. know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and in Holmes is like oh, all the things, um, you know, all the things that you've got in your life or whatever to try and help you. You're being defeated by a cherry, you know. <laughs> I thought that was just a brilliant scene. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, this film is like hilarious as well at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even a scene where like a blue alien with tentacle thingies sings hip hop opera. I'm like, I've never seen that before. <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of funny things in this film. Do you remember well. that guy was trying to like uh, rob him and he's like been standing there all night <laughs> yeah. and he needs a piss. He's like trying to hold him up and he's like, you just got to press that button. And he presses that, deactivates the gun and he's like, yeah. He's wearing that. He's got that weird photograph of the corridor on his hat that he places. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, places on the. That was weird. Strange. Yeah. This so bizarre. This film is so weird. Yeah. I just it is so it. weird. Um, yeah. It it is kind of. I think watching it is kind of. Yeah, it's like being uh, like high or something. You know, it is, it is very kind of. Yeah. But I just love like with Luke Besson films, apart from Lucy. Um, oh, what was that like Lucy, so, the best movie of all time? <laughs> no, <laughs> dreadful. Um, film versus film. But, you grab your movie. You grab yours. Fight to the death. Anyway, but like when Luke Besson does like proper like hard space sci-fi, he just goes all in and mm. just like just shitload of colors. The the designs are amazing. They're just so mm. brilliant to look at. Like you could just pause it for a while and just just look at the screen and, and yeah. you know just appreciate all the sets and things it's just great yeah. i think the only and, and even all the aliens yeah. you're like whoa that is like a crazy design here and even what people yeah. are wearing like fashion you're like mm. it, it doesn't feel like he's just half-assed it it's it all mm. looks very yeah you know very well designed. my big disappointment like, with the movie is that bruce willis doesn't turn into a usb stick at the end that's the only thing that kind of <laughs> <laughs> stops it from being as good as say something like Lucy which is obviously a five star <laughs> <laughs> um. well I love I really love his apartment like the bath is like one room and it's got like everything and the the, the toaster oh yeah things the, move out yeah, of the, the, and the showers the becomes and the, the bed and then the, this uh, when it, this <laughs> boat arrives at his um at his window and he sells him uh, Chinese food. It's just, yeah. 
Oh, I just love it. Yeah. It does kind of feel plausible, all that stuff yeah. as well. Just like really like stacked apartments yeah. and, you yeah. know, one day. the side of the wall opens up. Def- definitely. Yeah. I wouldn't like to live like no. that. Though. God, no. I mean, it's, it's definitely a red flag that every apartment appears to have like markings on the wall to tell you where to put your hands in case the police try to break into yeah. your home. Yeah. Oh, do you remember when they say, uh, identify, uh, you know, are you human? And he's like, no, I am a meat pasta. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a brilliant line, yeah. Um, right, let's go to a director that um, used his sort of um, stoic quietness to, to much different effect um, with M. Night Shyamalan and his... Uh, the Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, which appear on our lists. Um, who has placed any of these the highest? I put Unbreakable as number four. Uh, and you put you put the Sixth Sense at number two, Martin, as well, I believe. So yes, what I what did, yeah. what made you place that so highly? What what why do you like these films? Well, Sixth yeah. Sense. Uh, well, with I remember watching in the Sixth Sense like when I was pretty young, and it was pretty scary. There's some really interesting uh, scares in this as well. Uh, there's like a really crazy one um, with a lady who like slits her wrists and chases Cole, you know, the seventies kid who says, come on, I'll show you my dad's gun, <laughs> you know, uh, and turns around and his and half of his head has been blown away. You know, like the throwing up girl, you know, how that was constructed where the ghost is like unclipping the pegs on his den. And so you think this ghost is on the outside, but as the camera goes on, uh, the girl is on the inside of the den, which which definitely what made me jump. You know, mm. some really great scares in this, but I I just love films where like the second experience of watching it is so different from the first time. Because certainly the first time when you watch it, I was so shocked that Bruce Willis was dead. You know, <laughs> spoiler. Um, uh, but not, but obviously when you watch it again when you watch it again it's just so I, I just find M. Night, M. Night Shalaman when he gets it right boy does he get it right I think he's an absolute genius at times especially yeah it kind of reframes all of their picked. scenes together you're like you know yeah. Yeah. well why isn't she talking to her husband well he is dead you know she is mourning you know yeah. uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty good do you not know the is somebody do you, do you not, do you not know <laughs> the kid twist? is dead. Is that the big twist do you not know the big twist in the sixth sense no right? no no. What's the big twist? said anything. Everybody's alive. Well, it's difficult to talk about the sixth sense without talking about the twist. But... I know. I know there's a big twist, but I've never. I try always to avoid it. All but, right. but somebody's dead. Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yeah. No. That. No. Yeah. No. No. Not Bruce Willis. Who said Bruce Willis? Nobody said Bruce Willis. <laughs> Nobody's dead. But I, I. I really like how they kind of marry up the fact that his character is has has died you know, and is a ghost, but with um, his wife's character is going through, you know, a big uh, like grieving process and how that marries up, I think is absolutely genius, to be honest. There's a brilliant scene in the, uh, one, early on in the film um, where, they're, where they're going out to dinner and she's obviously very upset, uh, even the first time you watch it and the second time, um, but for differing reasons. And, you know, she just takes the bill because the first time you watch it you think she's just pissed off at him um for something and um but obviously the second time she just takes it because he ain't there (laughs) um so it's just really well well designed in that in that sense yeah Yeah, did you hear about the the famous uh chinese translation of the title what they went with the title instead 
No, what's it called in China? It's called He's a Ghost. Really? Yeah. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean it does it definitely we like don't have time for these bloody twists and spoilers. <laughs> the thing, the thing is, whether you know the twist or not, it still is a just a brilliant ghost story, isn't it? Like it's such a great, mm, creepy, yeah. strange movie. Um, yeah. And w- you've put also on your list, Martin, Unbreakable. Why? Uh, why do you like that one? Uh, it's. I find this film really fascinating, actually, in terms of uh, you know the superhero genre, because this film, uh, you know, it's really. I really like the slow pace of it. You know, I, I always, always enjoy a movie uh, that asks a lot of questions with like a, a shock twist at the end. You know, the twist that Elijah Glass was the villain and he's finally found his purpose in the world. You know, uh, he's the complete opposite of David Dunn and, you know, his comic book law and obsession becomes true. You know, it's really interesting psychologically. You know, I, I actually liked the fact that it, en- that it ended there and then you don't get like the traditional like fight at the end, if you will. Mm. And that a lot of like origin films have, you know, you know, that Mr. Glass just creates this elaborate plot that David Dunn has to foil because he's seen, you know, um, because we've seen that story before. And I just love the confidence in just telling a pure origin story of self-discovery of a superhero and a supervillain, you know, and, but then you don't, have like a story after that i just find that incredibly bold and it's really well crafted as well there's some beautiful shots in here where um there's a really nice shot where david dunn is in a rain in his like classic raincoat um which is kind of like his superhero costume and he's approaching a window as the curtains are like flapping around it's just a really nice shot because he's coming in and out of the of of view from the curtains as the wind blows it's uh it's a really nice shot that, um, yeah, I just love it. J- just the boldness of just ending there, you yeah. know, this is just drawn out a lot to, to just to create like a, an origin for a, this obsessive guy in Mr. Glass and uh, Elijah uh, and, you know, David Dunn just discovering that he's, you know, not ill uh, and has never been ill in his past. and can't break any bones and that scene where elijah is like trying to chase a guy because um i can't remember the reason now he, oh he, yeah it was bruce think, willis yeah. could foresee that he had a gun and he told oh, yeah, him to yeah, get yeah. out of get out of the stadium yeah. and uh oh, and but, he was like how do you know that and he was like i don't know it's just like a hunch i guess and he he saw him he as touched he was walking. him yeah yeah he saw him as he was walking by and he was trying to run after him mm-hmm. But that scene when he's chasing him, going down the stairs, oh my God, that is filled with so much suspense. Mm. Like, because obviously if he falls over, he's going to break a lot of bones and it's just like, oh my God, please don't fall over. And he does fall over and it's just horrible <laughs> when he's oh, falling yeah, down those stairs. Sam Jackson falls down those stairs is, um, yeah, it's, makes you wince a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Does it, do you think it makes... Do you think it taints the original at all? The fact that the uh, long-awaited sequel ended up being a big miss. I don't think so. I've not seen it. Oh, you I haven't even before. seen it. Glass. Wow. No. So he won't really... see it because he doesn't want it to taint the original. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> As I said before, glass. Who gives a shit about glass? Anyway. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Which one was it? The next one? The so after Unbreakable, there was so Split was the split. spin-off, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah, Split, split which was a spin-off of it. Ah, uh, Split with James McAvoy, and they just had enjoy. like James David Dunn at like at the last shot. Is they? it not yeah, really yeah. controversial? So, split now, like people are really against it. Well, uh, there's some yeah. sort of discourse about. Uh, it's a bit of an exploitation movie, isn't it? In terms of the way it approaches uh, mental health and the mm, condition okay. that James McAvoy's character supposedly has, but it's. Multiple persons. Yeah, yeah, it's a sort of a grimy little B-movie that I, I don't think it needs to be taken particularly seriously. But then... Yeah, yeah I, I really I don't like think you should. I don't think you should take it seriously. Like, um, you know, and I, I do, I get that the, the condition is very, you know, it's not very well understood. And, you know, and like many things that do about mental conditions, it doesn't mean you'll become a supervillain. Like, that's silly. But I think his version of it is like, just ridiculous. It's, it's obviously science fiction. You know, mm. it's not that he has multiple personality disorder. He literally turns into like different people. He looks the same, but you know, this is just he can bend steel bars it's at the obviously... end. He turns into a yeah, beast. exactly. He's like he can. He's he's fucking got super strength. You know, and yeah. some of his mm. uh, personalities have like um, like diabetes and stuff. It's like you know that cannot be a thing. You know, I think so, uh, I think I wouldn't get too bent out of shape. The fact it. that it reveals itself at the end to be set in the same world as Unbreakable kind of makes it a bit more. You know, because then you know it's set in a heightened superhero sort of world, mm. um, where you've already got a man that can't break any bones, yeah. etc. Um, but never mind, never mind. Uh, Unbreakable though is a great <laughs> film, and The Sixth Sense is it a is great indeed. film. Uh, Boaz, you've got Twelve Monkeys at your number one spot, and you are the only person to mention it. Why do you uh, place that so highly? Um, I would. I I just think it's a, an amazing performance, and it, I don't think it really gets enough attention. Twelve Monkeys, like uh, mm. Terry Terry Gillingham has like a Gilling. I probably pronounced that wrong, but the director Gilliam, he's yeah. got a Gilliam. yeah. He's got a like a particular style where um, you know everything looks kind of grimy and weird, and uh, and I I just don't know why like not as many people talk about it. One thing I think is great. I know it's kind of a trope now. But it really kind of nails it hard is, you know, the whole concept of delusion and, you know, yeah. the mental health system. Mm. So, you know, this, uh, well, I would not say just, well, yeah, the mental health system. Yeah, I would agree with it. But he's a time traveler. <laughs> he comes from the future and is trying to, you know, discover uh, what, what, you know, who released this virus that ended the world. But as soon as he starts talking about that, he is immediately committed. And I just kind of like the evolution of the character where after all these psych evaluations and all these chats with his doctors, he's starting to really think, yeah, maybe I am losing it. And I just like uh, Bruce Willis's sort of descent into just uncertainty and, 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 you know, fear and just, he's just kind of like a mess throughout the movie and he's getting worse mm. and worse. And uh, yeah. I just think it's a, an interesting movie. And I think it's yeah. a good performance from Bruce Willis. Yeah. It's a really good performance. I Definitely. really like how like Dr. St- Dr. Stowe, uh, kind of goes the other way. Like she's increasingly convinced that Cole is is uh, telling the truth, whereas at the start she was like, "Nah, this guy is clearly yeah, mentally exactly. ill." I just like the fact that those two characters, you know, yeah, they swap, switch roles, swap, yeah. swap views, yeah. you know. Yeah, because he's like, "Listen, so many people are telling me I'm I'm crazy, and it does sound crazy," and he's getting like convinced away from it. Where she, the more he sort of says about the past and stuff, she's like convincing. Yeah. Is that well at one point uh there was a bullet in his leg because he accidentally ended up in like World War 1. Yeah. Like? Yeah. And it turns out yeah that was dated to mm. World War 1, you know. 
how can you explain that if he's not a time traveler? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, it, de- it did definitely feel like a Doctor Who episode at that point <laughs> in the yeah. film. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I did have it in my top five for a while, but I kind of wanted to put, but then I wanted Unbreakable in there and The Sixth Sense <laughs> and that one. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's probably like sixth or seventh for me. Yeah. But I think well, for I, me- I I'm, wanted to put things like uh, Unbreakable, Sixth Sense. I wanted yeah. to put loads of other stuff in there. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, not a lot of people would have had that. I do think- the performance is really good. I think it's one of his best. Like, I um, disagree. I'm not really. I'm okay, not entirely yeah. convinced by his performance. Okay. To be honest, as Bruce Willis, I think Bruce Willis's character. I think because you compare that to like Brad Pitt, he he's astonishing in this film. I think he's yeah, he's really good. Yeah, and like this whole plot of the fact that the whole Twelve Monkeys part of it was a huge misdirect. I really like that. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think I'm one of very few people. Uh, that has actually seen La Jete that this film is based on. Um, I saw it at university and it's like a, a short 20 minute film by Chris Marker. Uh, all still photographs. <laughs> it's, a, um, you know, basically the same story, but, you know, condensed down. Um, it's just so beautifully photographed, really simple and really hypnotic. It's really quite extraordinary film. Um, and for me, 12 Monkeys, you know, I love Terry Gilliam. There's a lot of great, um, tele, uh, Terry Gilliam, like designs in here, a lot of like see-through plastic. <laughs> um, but I just find it, it's, it's a tad long for me. And, uh, yes, it keeps the essence of La Jete, but I think when I, when you see that, when you've seen that first, you're like, you're always kind of comparing a little bit, but, um, I still really like it. A tad long, not fully convinced with by uh Bruce Willis that's fair have you seen it Alex yeah only a couple of times so I can't I couldn't put it in my list yeah I probably I'm probably going to be cast out for saying this but I've never seen a Terry Gilliam movie that I liked so I, I didn't really yeah wow. other than not even Brazil other than, the, <laughs> other than the Monty Python movies no I've tried to watch Brazil I don't know what it is about his style I just can't I can never mm. ever find a way into any of his movies that yeah. I've tried to watch um and I'm not going to say he's a bad director or anything. I just can't. It just no. doesn't seem to be for me, which is weird because I like odd, strange, s- surreal yeah. things. But mm. um, no, I don't know. But uh, it's definitely got big, but, big yeah. visual imagery in it and stuff. It's a memorable. I remember watching it yeah. for sure. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I would mm. urge checking out La Jete, though. It's on YouTube. Mm. You know, yeah. it's only yeah. like 20 odd minutes. It it's really cool. I'll definitely look it up. Um, so what? Uh, you've both got Sin City in your lists. What? Um, do you want to talk a little bit about why you place that highly? Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't have time to rewatch this one, but I just remember this being so vivid in design and just mm. so bold. You know, this very super high contrast in white and black cinematography and just really great uses of color um and like elijah wood's character being incredibly fucking creepy (laughs) (laughs) is he playing the yellow which is strange because that's frodo yeah frodo no yeah i know the yellow bastard that was a different actor Uh, elijah wood is the guy with the glasses yeah uh, oh he doesn't talk yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. he eats prostitutes (laughs) yeah horrible (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's Bruce Willis's? Because it's uh, it's has so long since I've seen Sin City. It's split into three stories, isn't it? I yeah, he's. The number of stories. Um, he plays Cardigan. And what's his what's I'm his saying. sort of story through the movie? What's his what's he trying to do? I can't quite remember. Uh, so his is the yellow bastard story arc. So he he kind of sandwiches the movie. I think the film starts with his story, part of his story, and it ends with the rest of his story. Right. Okay. And um, and it's uh, it's what was it? He's he caught a serial killer, mm. um, who's like the senator's son or something, and he ends up going to prison for all the shit that he did, you know. Uh, even though he caught him doing it, but because the senator can control everything, he ends up going to jail. And the girl grows up, uh, Nancy, becomes Jessica mm. Alba. Right? Uh, yes. Yes. And, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, the serial killer guy becomes like yellow and stinky. And uh, he wants, <laughs> yeah. wants, yeah, uh, wants to find Jessica Alba. And obviously, Bruce Willis is trying to stop that. And they kind of don't they represent that in like this gold, ambery color? for blood or yeah. something yeah 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 like his his blood is a kind of weird sort of weird yellowy browny disgusting thing it's uh he's written some great stuff but i wouldn't want to live in frank miller's head for even a minute no <laughs> <laughs> the least sort of chill guy of all time yeah. <laughs> um so i mean famously as well a scene in that movie was guest directed by quentin tarantino Quentin Tarantino, mm. yeah. Yes. yeah who also made pulp fiction which is uh features on boaz mm. and alex's lists why do you guys like that one uh i think uh what well, is a different it's uh, a different side of bruce willis and a different character for him he plays this boxer that is old and he has to like lose this quite vulnerable in a way. Uh, it's, it's a vulnerable performance because then he finds himself in a situation that he shouldn't be in. But then he he does the right thing and messes everybody up, which is good. Um, I really, I really <laughs> that's one of the scenes in films that I hate the most when they're under uh, underground in that um, arm arm shop. I, oh, yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't watch Zed. Zed's. Uh, I can't watch that scene. Zed's shot. I yeah. I fast forward because it's just. Oh, really? Well, I I watch it to a certain <laughs> point and then I fast forward and then I just I just stop because I can't. Oh, it's just horrible. Um, and I think I think <laughs> it's it's like a perfect part for Bruce Willis, and mm. uh, and I think I think that's why I like him as an actor in a way in, like. I think directors like Quentin Tarantino and Wes Anderson got him and kind of gave him a part that kind of belonged to him and kind of made him different. And I think in this one, he's uh, he's uh, more vulnerable, but at the same time, he's he's not an action hero. Is uh, a loser. He's not a loser. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's kind of a jerk, actually. He's kind of yeah. a, bit of a jackass. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but like with a heart of gold, jackass with a heart of gold. A jackass with a heart of gold, because he went back in that basement. I would not go back. Yeah, in he that comes basement. back. He could have just like let. Yeah, he could have just solved his problems. Fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, it makes me. Oh, it's horrible. I think for me, I, I, you know, me and Boaz both love Pulp Fiction, but I don't see it necessarily as a Bruce Willis film. I think that storyline is not is the least interesting part of that film. And because it starts off so well with with uh, John Travolta and 
Samuel Jackson, you kind of want to see them again, like mm-hmm. as soon as you can. Uh, yeah, that's the, my only, that's the kind of the reason why I didn't put it in my top five. Not because it's a really bad film, mm-hmm. because I don't see it really as a Bruce Willis movie to me. I think yeah. as, I know it's interconnected, but, mm-hmm. and he has a smaller part and I, I feel like Bruce Willis is, is more uh, present in, uh, Sin City than in Pulp Fiction in terms of like you know separate stories mm. anthology type mm. story yeah I definitely feel like I mean I remember the first time I ever watched Pulp Fiction at that point I wasn't really I was quite young probably and I didn't really know much about Quentin Tarantino but I already loved Bruce Willis and I think I watched it being like this movie's got Bruce Willis in it and at the end I remember being like it was pretty good but I love Bruce Willis in it yeah. So, and um, I've only watched it once or twice since then. I mean, I I I like it a lot. Obviously, it's a great film, mm. but it's been on my kind of in my mind as a movie I want to watch again for about yeah, yeah, five yeah. or six years now, and I still haven't done it, which is probably the main reason why I didn't quite make my list because I just need to watch it again. Mm. Yeah, I watch yeah. it. I watch it quite. Often. I've watched it. I yeah, watch it this yeah. once I've a year. It I just yeah. I love. That yes, film. you have. But <laughs> you can yes, you I can have. do the uh, the what speech, can't you? Yeah, I can do the same again. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Yeah. 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 Um, can you do it? Do it now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's see if I, how I begin. Um, tell us what Marcellus Wallace looks like. He's like, what? And he goes, uh, oh, what? He goes, where, where do you come from? What? What ain't a country I ever heard from, motherfucker? Where do you come from? He's like, what? Do they speak English in what? What? Say what again, motherfucker? I dare you. I double dare you. Say what one more goddamn time. Now, what does Marcellus Wallace look like? He's 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 bald. Go on. He's he's black. Does he look like a bitch? No. Uh, no. No. He doesn't say no. He goes. He goes what? And so he shoots him. And he goes. Does he look like a bitch? No. Then why are you trying to fuck him like a bitch, Brett? He goes. I wasn't. Yes, you were. You were trying to fuck him. And Marcellus Wallace doesn't like to be fucked by anybody except Mrs. Wallace. Do you read the Bible, Brett? I got this passage memorized. Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the uh, righteous man is beset on all sides by the iniquity of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of uh, goodness and charity shepherds the weak because he is truly his brother's keeper and a finder of lost children and I shall strike down upon thee in great vengeance and furious anger all those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers and you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee then they shoot the motherfucker <laughs> that's amazing I got it I got it I got wow. it eventually well, I got well, it eventually well. Rocky start Rocky start but I managed to pick it up that's I've, the beauty of the writing of Quentin Tarantino like is, yeah. the fact that it's so funny it's, this shouldn't yeah. be funny but it's hilarious yeah. and then suddenly it's just like oh no yeah. <laughs> he's getting angry yeah. oh, that was great perfect Great. Yeah, well, I think that, that says everything we need to say about Pulp Fiction. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, how about, so I think we've covered a lot of what was on the list, but uh, we'll have a quick yeah. chat about Moonrise Kingdom, an amazing movie. Amazing. How did that fare on your um, Wes Anderson episode, guys? Uh, I think it won. What was uh, it up against, do you remember? Fantastic Mr. Ooh, Fox. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> George yeah, does not agree. Well, I mean, I, I, I think Fantastic <laughs> Mr. Fox is my number one Wes Anderson film, but um, yeah. I really, I, mean, okay. I, I also really love Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> um, I just think that 
Bruce Willis, Bruce, like the style and energy that Bruce Willis can bring to a movie, particularly <coughs> at that era of his career, is such a perfect match for Wes Anderson's writing. Uh, I just yeah. like I watched. Uh, I didn't watch the film again uh, for this because I watched it about three or four months ago, but. I watched a scene on YouTube where he's on the um, radio with Tilda Swinton and social services. And uh, yeah. she says she's, she says the boy might have electroshock therapy and the way he reacts to that, like the way he can just sort of suddenly bring a load of emotion to the front um, in these move in this movie that's kind of so bereft of emotion most of the time is, um, is joyous. And like the scene where he's like, I'm, de- I'm deputizing the little guy and the guy with the eye patch and you, and you're going to come with me. And just the way he <laughs> plays this uh, small town, like small Island, Police chief mm. um, is 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 wonderful. Yeah. I I think he's so good in that movie, and it's a pity that he. It's kind of the only. Well, it's, it's the only time we worked with Wes Anderson. I think he could have done, done more good work more. with him. But, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's a very dis- different performance to the one yeah. he's kind of more associated with. You kind of forget that Bruce Willis is in this. You know that that's Bruce Willis. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, like kind of a father figure to. Um, yeah, um, I was going to mm. say that. Yeah. To the uh, very the paternal, yeah. very, uh, very, you know, you know nurturing. Yeah, and, so. yeah definitely. Yeah. Uh, I watched the first episode of Stranger Things actually before we we um, started recording today, and it's a bit like the uh, if anyone's watched that, the relationship that Hopper ends up having with uh, Eleven in Stranger yeah. Things is a bit, yeah. maybe oh, potentially okay. even inspired by Moonrise Kingdom. I'm going to put that out there. Yeah, I think it might. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Um, what do you think, Alex? It's on your list as well. Yeah, well, you know, I love Wes Anderson. He is my uh, hero. And so, um, and I think uh, Bruce Willis is amazing in this and he's just completely different and he's got a sensibility that maybe we have not seen before um, and he managed to portray that in this film. So I really liked it. And how about the jackal? Let's go. Let's go back to that. Oh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> no, 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 because like stand by the the jackal is the remake of a film called The Day of the Jackal, and the writer of The Day of the Jackal said that they had to take the day of out of this the the remake <laughs> because it's yeah. just. The plot is too different. It's just too different (laughs) and it's just doesn't. But what I love is just we've always seen uh, Bruce Willis as, you know, an action man and he's always doing the right thing. And in this one, he was the bad guy and he was actually quite scary. Um, He's got this really like stoic face throughout and he's got like different like, you know, in he's got like different kind of camouflages, but he always looks like a little bit different. And I really liked him in this. I th- I thought he was the good part of this film, mm-hmm. and uh, I I and I like him as the bad guy. And he hasn't done it. I don't think he hasn't really done it much. From what I remember, well, yeah, be a villain. yeah, I can't. Yeah, to be a villain, I can't think of another time that he's played a villain. Yeah. No, <laughs> and I think he's good in it. And I, 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 I it, it does know, have that it, that one fantastic sequence where he's um, buying a gun off. Is Jack Black playing the weapons dealer? Jack Black, yeah. And, uh, I was yeah. gonna say he blows <laughs> off Jack Black's fucking arm, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for that scene alone, I think yeah. it merits inclusion in in your list. Yeah, yeah. So um, that seems incredible because I haven't I haven't watched that film since I was a kid, and literally I have not watched it again. I've not seen any, and I remember that with a hundred percent. Yeah, Yeah, I nearly didn't put it not to embarrass myself. I was like, no, (laughs) it's a fine film. (laughs) 
they are they're jacked. Well, in terms of embarrassing ourselves, let me tell you about Hudson Hawk. No one else. Oh yeah. <laughs> no one else has seen Hudson Hawk. Jesus. <laughs> no. I have got such an enormous love for this film that everyone else in the world detests. Um, <laughs> so the year is the year is 1991. Bruce Willis is like at the top on top of the world in terms of like Hollywood royalties just off the back of like Die Hard and Die Hard Oh, I've two. just I've looked at on pictures of this. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll probably recognize I've just looked the pictures of this. Recognize a photo. So I I only remember one thing and it was I was uh, now this is going to seem really weird, but I'm really weird. I was looking at a video of um uh, like best quips, like best quips that action heroes do just after they kill someone. Yep. Yeah. So very, very niche video. <laughs> and one of it, I think, was from this film where doesn't he cut off someone's head and say, you won't be attending that hat convention in July? Yes, I think I think that is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <that was> it. <laughs> um, so oh, <laughs> the, reason, the reason... So that's the only thing I know about this movie. This is a movie in which Bruce, Bruce Willis came up with the story and wrote the theme song for it and, like, executive produced it and is truly, like, a distillation of his what he would want a movie to be. And um, it never happened again because everyone hated it. But uh, he plays <laughs> he plays internationally famous cat burglar, which shouldn't be a thing. but And is, hat salesman. And hat salesman. <laughs> Hudson, Hudson Hawk, who is uh, released from prison at the start of the movie and immediately embroiled in a plot uh, to steal um, Leonardo da Vinci's um, inventions, which will allow somebody to turn lead into gold. Exciting. What the um, hell? <laughs> and is um, uh, wrapped up in this wrapped up in this scheme are uh, some Italian American gangsters. Uh, one of them played by Frank Stallone um, oh. from the Mario crime family, who obviously referred to in the movie as the Mario Brothers. And there's no other Mario Brothers, so that's you, that's not confusing. You, no, that is not <laughs> and, um, right. And do they speak like this? Do they say? Ah, yeah, they're from. Uh, they're from it says Frank Stallone. Uh, get the, the balance. Yeah. Okay, okay. And it is the Don of the family, Don Kikong. <laughs> no, they missed a trick there. And um, <laughs> you've also got two uh, billionaire industrialists involved, played by Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhard as the Mayflowers. And Richard E. Grant is having the best time in this movie that anyone has ever had. And uh, the henchmen that chase Hudson Hawk throughout his adventure uh, are all named after chocolate bars. So he has to fight Snickers, Kit Kat, Butterfinger and Almond's Joy throughout the movie. No. Um, <laughs> You're making this up. This, this isn't is a real movie. movie. Yeah. You're just oh, making. I've never got to the best part. He teams up. You're ridiculous. Where did you put this? He team, <laughs> Number one. He teams. What? He teams up. He teams up with a secret agent nun played by Andy McDowell. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> I'm watching this film as what? soon as this finishes. Exactly. As soon as this finishes, and his, I'm fine. His best movie. friend is Tommy Five Tone Messina, played by um, underrated character actor Danny Aiello, who is in uh, Moonstruck and um, oh, a lot yeah. of other movies. He's great. There are scenes in this film where uh, Hudson, Hawk and, Hudson Hawk and Tommy Messina have to uh, break into buildings and steal things, as is uh, the want of a cat burglar. And instead of using stopwatches to time their uh, heists, they choose a song to sing and they both sing it and they both know the exact length of the song. So they just do their, do their heist while singing uh, a song such as Swinging on a Star or other like Frank Sinatra-esque uh, tunes. <laughs> Uh, to, to to time up their, their heists because as we all know Bruce Willis was among other things a, a musician and released an album called The Return of Bruno I didn't know that he, he absolutely did, did yeah 
No, Bruce Willis has an album called The Return of Bruno. You can, you, I think it's probably on Spotify. You can go and listen to it. And it's all sort of okay. Frank Sinatra-esque kind of uh, big band swing kind of music. And uh, this movie has got a stupid, weird, goofy sense of humour. It's full of that kind of music. And it seems to be everything that Bruce Willis would want to put in a movie. And it had a massive budget of $65 million, which for 1991 was quite a lot. And it was a huge bomb and everyone hates it. <laughs> Um, but it's just, I just, I kind of, like I said earlier, like, this is why I watch Dear Evan Hansen, because I'm always on the lookout for, like, vanity projects or weird projects, like weird misses, (laughs) like a bit, I love a big swing, and this movie is a big swing, and, um, I, in my opinion, it kind of, it hits, and, uh, people, I, I, it's drew okay. a critical reevaluation, in my opinion, Hudson. <laughs> I, I really. You should lead that critical reevaluation. <laughs> I am. Have it written I'm in every paper. Planting yeah. my flag here. It's also got a uh, a video game. Uh, there's a Nintendo video game for it. That's so. Yeah, it really? was a big. They thought Hudson Hawk nice. was going to be big. No. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. That's crazy. That's that. Does, that is, wow, does that's this fall into the category? Does this fall into the category so bad it's good? Then, um, I or? guess I guess you could say so bad it's good, but I I don't know. I gen genuinely I just like it on its own terms. I think it's a fun, All right. <laughs> silly, weird movie. But it's got like, it's got the tone of a kids' film, but it's full of swearing. Like it, it, it it's hard to know who it's for other than me. It's for me. <laughs> yeah. I, think that's why it, I think that's why it couldn't get any audience and nobody liked it it's for you yeah, exactly. specifically um, but I if if I can achieve anything today it's if if any of you watch Hudson Hawk I'll be very delighted yeah I'm 100% I will watch, watch it tonight yes. uh, oh it's it's I love it it's great well that that is um, I think we've covered and talked about all the movies that were in our lists so we have time for a little quick Run through of honourable mentions, uh, Alex. Anything that we haven't talked about that you think is worth mentioning? Yes, uh, the last Boy Scout. Love it. Watched it yesterday. Didn't make my list, yeah. but um, so good. Uh, I watched it so yeah, many times. Oh, definitely, that. definitely Only... watch that. Ah, oh, it's so good. Um, and then uh, Armageddon. Soft spot for uh, oh, okay. <laughs> for Bruce Willis in it. Uh, come on, he I, dies. I like Don't <laughs> doesn't NASA show that film to new recruits to say this is how space does not work? <laughs> yeah. It's such a yeah. silly film. Um, it, is, it is, it is, but it's uh, yeah, I remember that one. The whole yeah. nine yards. Love it, love that movie. I yeah. love that movie. That was like between the jackal and the whole nine yards. <laughs> I wasn't sure, but I chose the jackal. And mm-hmm. uh well, Sin City, which you talked about, and I quite liked him in Looper. I know. Yeah, I liked Looper I, I, as well. I thought he was good in it. I need to watch Looper again. Yeah, I, I missed, uh, like I missed a, a chance there. I think it was um, four days ago. It was on the TV and I just didn't end up watching it. Mm. Should have watched it. Yeah, I, I yeah, I really like Ryan Johnson's take on, on that film. Yeah. Um, he wrote and directed it. It's, it's just a really interesting original idea. Uh, and a, a, an interesting take on how to... <laughs> Create a young Bruce Willis yeah. with um, Joseph Gordon yeah. Levitt with, plasticine on with him, makeup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Put, put some play doh on his nose. It's it fine. If he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that entirely works. <laughs> but um, but as if you see past that, I think it's a really interesting mm. story and just really uh, well made yeah. uh, world. Uh, 
Ryan Johnson's created there. And I'm a big fan of Emily Blunt as well. And she's awesome in that film. Yeah, she's amazing in everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Oh, Death Becomes Her. I forgot about the, that. Yeah, Death that Becomes was, Her. That... I thought he was quite funny in that one. Like kind of... Uh, Definitely playing against yeah. type in oh, Death shit. Becomes Her. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Martin, you got any that you didn't, didn't quite make the cut for you? Uh, I was going to say Looper. Oh, Lucky Number Slevin. I remember really oh, enjoying that. that. Um, oh, got some really interesting twists in that. Uh, yeah. That, that was pretty fun. With Ash... Aston Kutcher, I think, mm. as well. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Boaz, you got any honourable mentions? So I was just checking out his filmography because I couldn't remember. You know, I, I obviously should have put Die Hard, but I, I explained why I didn't. But, um, you know, I've already got one of them. But, and uh, I was just, just looking at his uh, filmography to see if I... And what was it? Uh, I completely forgot he was in this, but uh, Over the Hedge. Did you ever watch that? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, kids' films. No. <laughs> CGI kid <laughs> films. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. I love that yeah. film. That, that was, was great. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I completely it. forgot he was in that. Yeah, yeah. he was. A, he was the. Um, is it raccoon? RJ was it? RJ the no. He was. Yeah, he was a rac. He was a raccoon, right? Yeah, he's a raccoon. Awesome. He's a raccoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that film. That was good. I completely forgot he was in that. Also, uh, Die Hard Two. We haven't really talked. Die yeah, Hard Die Two. Yeah, Die Hard Two was pretty cool. I, yeah. you know, yes, didn't wasn't directed by John McTiernan. Um, yeah, I think it's probably the one Bruce Willis film I've seen the most. Actually, <laughs> I've, it seems to always be on yeah. TV. Um, mm. Just really great gun battles, some really interesting twists. You know, with the whole yeah. you know blanks and real ammo that was quite yeah, fun. Was and the, and the fact that all those um, soldiers in the white suits ended up being the bad guys as well. I thought that was a really cool yeah. twist mm. in that movie. Uh, yeah, you know. it su- it suffers from being so similar to the first one, but it is like on any yeah. other me- level, it's it's a really good film for sure. I, I love Die Hard yeah. too. Um, but then like, I think the reason Die Hard Three seems better is because it just strikes out on its own a little bit more. Yeah, also connects itself mm. to the original. Um, I kind of like as well that they they kind of give his wife uh, a, a lot to do in the plane and stuff. Yeah, like mm. she seems like a properly developed character in the second one. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, so you know that's a that's a that's a definite plus. Holly Gennaro. For sure. Mm. Um, I've got a couple of animal mentions that are mostly discussed already, but like Death Becomes Her, I think is a great film that's uh, mm. underrated and largely forgotten, but shouldn't be. Mel Streep and Goldie Horn and Bruce Willis is really good. Yeah. Uh, the Last Boy Scout, I'd I love that. Like it's such a that's such a grimy, like mean spirited and um, early nineties action film uh, that set a record for the highest amount of money ever paid for a film script uh, by Shane Black, uh, The Last Boy Scout. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think it was broken quite quickly, but at the time it was the most money that had ever been paid for a script. And then apparently the final film is nothing like the original script, but never mind. <laughs> uh, it's a great film. Armageddon, I've got a little bit of soft spot for. The whole nine yards, definitely. But I think that might be slightly more yeah. Matthew Perry than Bruce Willis. Uh, it comes to- <laughs> but Bruce Willis is really like funny in he it. He is, but there's a scene... Yeah. Like he's so... There's, oh, there's a scene yeah. in that movie where Matthew Perry walks into a lamp that might be the funniest thing that's ever been filmed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's one point where Bruce Willis kills uh kills somebody and then Matthew Perry's like all like kind of crazy and then oh, Bruce yeah. Willis like throws it... the, throws the beer at him and he just doesn't catch it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I what is it? He kills Michael Clark Duncan, doesn't he? Yeah. And it's like yeah. Whoa, whoa, and he's freaking out. He's like, Why yeah. did you do that? Well it was either, you know, him or you. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. And uh since since like City and Unbreakable, which we mentioned, and then uh, one that I don't think anyone's mentioned yet is Red. I've got a bit of a soft spot. 
for Red. Mm. That was a, <laughs> a enjoyable old people yeah. action movie. Kind yeah, of I, I, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I watched both of them. I watched Red One and Two, and uh, yeah, I think they're kind of, yeah, they're, you know, they're serviceable popcorn films. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, I've not seen the second one. Actually, not bad. They're pretty cool. I liked Red. Red yeah. was good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right, brilliant. So. Uh, that almost brings us to the end of uh, an exciting action pack. Yeah, I should episode. have included the whole nine yards. Whole nine yards. Yeah, it is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too late now. The whole, ten, the whole ten yards as well. Don't forget about that. Whatever that was. Um, right. <laughs> if um, Alex, if you had to pick one thing from your culture catch up uh, to recommend that people go and check out, what would it be? Uh, Bell by Mamoru Osada. Lovely stuff. Uh, Martin, how about you? What should people watch? Dairy Girls. Girls. Lovely choice. Oh, yes. Uh, Boaz? From Lisa McGee. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, Moon Knight, I suppose. Or... Well, actually, most of the stuff that I saw, I liked. So, Moon Knight, The Eternals, Buffy, Angel. <laughs> Buffy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Dude, fucking what? If, you, if nobody's watched Buffy, TV. watch Buffy. I don't give a shit, you know, like, <laughs> rewatch it. Watch yeah. it again and again and again and again. Agreed. Well, G did an yeah, entire I, thing last year. Did you not watch all the episode, all the series last when year? When we were in lockdown, yeah, I watched all of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's the best. It's the best. I love it. Obsessed. I'm obsessed with it. Yep. Um, I <laughs> I think that people should team Spike, <laughs> Spike and Buffy. Oh, I don't. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we depart. That's where we. Start. <laughs> um. Uh, I I think people should go out and watch the unbearable weight of massive talent if they if they can. So. Yes, hilarious, it's great. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's that's been our episode. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, film versus film. Um, where can people find yeah, where can you. people find you online? Yeah, thank you for having us. It's been a, it's we've been had fun. a great time. Uh, yeah, we're nice. on all the socials. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and now TikTok. We're trying tickety talk. I think it's, that's how the kids say it now. Yeah. Um, Are we doing Twitter, any twerking? Uh, soon, lots of twerking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. On Twitter, you can find us at FVF underscore podcast. All the rest is film versus film podcast. Yeah, and we're pretty much on all your podcast catching devices um yeah at film versus film podcast go and give it go and give it a listen um and uh next time on culture bucket we'll be doing a special episode reviewing uh the 2021 netflix show midnight mass yeah have you seen that guys it's on my watch list. Oh, watch it. Watch it. It's insane. Oh my god, there are so many things coming out. What what is that? How did I what is this about? It's it's by uh, Mike yeah. Flanagan. He did. Oh, what's the first one he did? Haunting the of Hill House. House. Yeah, the Haunting mm-hmm. of Hill House. My God, that is very scary and so good. Um, Bly Manor, meh. Mm. Uh, you know, but uh, was it Doctor oh. Sleep? Is was yeah, interesting as well. And Hush. Did you watch Hush? That was a Netflix movie that he did uh, about the woman, oh, the really? blind, no, blind oh, woman okay. in a house. Uh, who uh, gets a home intruder? That movie is really good. Worth watching. Hush. Um, I think it's called. No, it's called Hush. Oh. Like that great Buffy episode. Yeah. To bring yeah. Uh, wasn't she? Wasn't she deaf? Not. Not. Blind. Is she? I think she might be deaf. Yes. No. Let me check this. Out. I'm blind. No, she can't. Be. I, I think you. I, I, <laughs> I think you might be mixing. Yeah. Because I think there was Hush where she's deaf, and then there was some other film where this dude was blind yeah the, well there's don't uh, breathe with the blind guy yeah no she is don't she breathe. is That's deaf the one. isn't don't she breathe. yeah 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 she's deaf yeah. thank you um 
And uh, played by uh, Katie Siegel, who's actually married to um, Mike Flanagan. Oh, and Ger- uh, Gerald's mm. Game, which uh, is another Mike Flanagan movie. He's great. Yeah. So, yeah, That's we'll be cool. talking all about him and Midnight Mass next week. Have you finished it now, Alex? Yeah. Oh, can't, can't oh, wait to talk to you about it. Oh. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was hard. It was hard going. I, I did say it was, I felt it was predictable. The last three episodes... I did not predict any of that. Surely, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, my God. you can't. You did you predict what happens at the end of episode five? Not to spoil it for anyone. Oh God, no! Oh God, no! <laughs> I was like, what? What? I am intrigued. Oh, you, you've yeah, 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 yeah. It, I've it, not heard about this. It's a slow, but like the beginning is like, oh, okay, you can you can imagine what's going to happen, and then uh, towards the end, you're like, oh, that's why they wanted the doors closed. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely goes places midnight mass. It does. It does yeah, start a bit then, slow, but it's worth. Um, yeah, it's worth watching. Yeah, so. but I liked it from the beginning, uh, but I just, yeah. I do love a yeah, slow definitely. burn. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then at the end it's like, da, 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 oh, and then, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, join us for, you know, more of that kind of chat next week. And um, you can find us, as always, uh, on uh, Instagram is where we're most active, but you can find links to all our social media channels along with everything we discussed in Culture Catch-Up uh, on the uh, show notes for this and every episode. So please go and check those out and come and join us and let us know what you think. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for being with us. Love you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.